ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire. Benson, you and sell it. Tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice. Let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game. Play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure. This is Kings of War. Let's go. Champs, and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I am your host, Bensom, and joining me today, as always, is Selick. Hello there. As well as Hugh. Hey, guys. As we discuss the winners and losers of the latest Clash of Kings updates. So pull up a seat, grab a drink, and let's get into it. All right, gentlemen, the latest Clash of Kings is here as part of the Helpies Rift campaign book. What are our thoughts? What are we doing here? I guess the first call out is to uh, Ronnie and Matt uh, for sending us over a digital copy so that we can actually do this little review. So thank yes, you. cheers. Thanks for that. It's uh, has been quite enlightening and very yeah. generous. Yeah, without that, we um, yeah, I guess everyone would just have to wait. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, no, so far I really approve of the Halpies Rift. My favorite thing about the front cover is that it's got Ratkin on it, and then um, page three also has Ratkin on it. I can list the pages that have Ratkin on it if that would. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I think we'll pass on that one. Anyway, there's a lot of Ratkin. That's that's something that I like about it a lot. And I've only started, um, I'm like a fair way through into the, the uh, background and the actual story of it, and I'm enjoying it so far. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That's right. So we're going to talk about more of the Clash of Kings changes, so not the entire book around the fluff and all these other things. Um, we're just going to talk about major the changes, and particularly who are the winners and losers of the Clash of Kings 21. So we're going to go through, we're going to use a little bit of a, a guide here uh, of a plus or minus two scale. So a plus two would be that you've had this massive bonus from the change. Uh, naturally, uh, a negative two would be that you've had a massive nurse, nerf from the change. Nurse? Oh, hello, nurse. Nice uh, nice, yeah, yeah uh, a massive nerf from the changes. And if you're sort of a zero, that's where you've sort of... All of the changes are pretty negligible for yourself. So that's how we're going to sort of work. We're going to talk about each of these changes and get a rating mm -hmm. based on all of our feedback. Um, so we haven't mm -hmm. actually defined these just yet. So we're going to talk about it as we go. So, so the first thing that we're going to talk about is the ignore cover. So previously this would just ignore cover as it sort of mentions, but now if you're half in the cover, uh, you do get that negative one to hit. Well, before we talk about the armies, I just wanted to mention that I think the strongest thing about this change is that it does balance some things that were probably just a little bit, maybe not even too good, but perceived as too good and, and, mm -hmm. and maybe unfun to play against. So I definitely like a sort of minor nerf to those things without being too major. But I think the weakest thing about it is that it's still called ignore cover. It should be ignores most cover. Yeah, it should be like, <laughs> it should just be called bombard or something. Or like, you know, yeah. it, just a different word that isn't ignores cover. Because I read that rule and then it just, it, the whole rule is about how it doesn't actually ignore cover. Mm. Very confusing. For, for new players, it doesn't really confuse us probably, but it confuses, new, it confuses me a little bit. So when we have a look at some of the armies that have a lot of this rule, so I'm thinking kingdoms of men, dwarves, abyssal dwarves, naturally. Goblins. Goblins. And yep. to a lesser extent, I think undead and empire of dust as well. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's really coming to mind for me. I think it's a minor change because the unit has to be within difficult terrain. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a bit more um, specific 
in that. So I think for for most cases, it's still going to be ignoring cover. I agree. I think it basically only gives the opponent a bit of counterplay, which I think is how it's intended. So it's yeah. not like a straight nerf. It's more like maybe you need to choose your targets a bit more carefully because if your opponent is smart and you know they're really important unit that maybe it has an objective or maybe it uh, just is a critical unit for whatever other reason, they've popped that in terrain because they want to give you the minus one to hit. Mm. That seems fair, reasonable, and it should be a counterplay to War Machines because you don't have much other counterplay when you don't have a War Machine killer. No. Like if you've got a bunch of slow units and you're marching forwards, you you know, you just kind of have to cop the War Machine. So it's nice to have some sort of ability to mitigate it against certain units. And the reality is I think most of the time the War Machines will just shoot something else. And those catapults really aren't going to want to shoot at anything that's in terrain because you're hitting on sixes. Okay, so I guess what we're saying is that even though there's some armies that do use uh, indirect fire a lot more, or uh, sorry, ignore cover, Ignores cover. a lot yep. more, um, it's not really going to impact them too much. They're just going to pick different targets opposed to not take the unit. Well, sort of. I think, yes, if they've got a normal sensible army, it is a significant nerf on armies which rely entirely on war machines. Which, which were few and far between, so yeah. Okay, so if we have a look at this from our rating system, though, so what I'm hearing and my interpretation of that is that it's probably just a 0.5 across the board. Yeah, right. yeah, yep. I think so. I'm pretty happy with that. So with that sort of major rule change, we do jump into the spells. Um, so there's mm -hmm. three main spells that are impacted by this, and the first one is Hex. Uh, Bensom's favorite Hex. I know that he takes yep. in every single <laughs> list that he's got. Um, so previously what it would do, you would hex it. If they cast a spell, all their positive hits, they would take two damage but not have to take a test. Um, yep. So, And it only impacts uh, spellcaster level one plus. Um, so mm -hmm. that still remains, um, that damage component. The only change now is that if you are hexed, you have to halt or change facing to be able to cast in the next phase. And then they still take that damage. Uh, which I think is a pretty good change. Uh, they haven't adjusted any of the points cost for Hex. So what do we think be a positive or a negative to any of the armies? <laughs> well, Hex is still rubbish. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's not much of a change. There'll be very few instances against Undead yep. where the opponent's uh, Necromancer or Morgoth or whatever won't be in a position to begin with. Mm that it needs to move and cast. Quite, to be fair, a lot of their spells are fairly short range, the ones that really matter, and especially the ones that really matter against Hex, so like your Surges and things like that. So it could be that they need to move and cast, but I'm right there with you, man. Like, this is a nerf against Undead. It's a mm. sneaky nerf against Undead because every other army doesn't really care about this. Um, and I see why they did it. They wanted to buff it, because it did nothing, or almost nothing. If you want to buff it, make it affect Spellcaster Zero. I was playing against Northern Alliance recently, against three <laughs> units of Icy Breath, and I couldn't use Hex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very annoying. I agree with you entirely. There's so many Spellcaster Zero things, <laughs> and they're, they, feel more, they feel as common as Spellcasters themselves. Um, yeah. yeah, I would have loved to see that change, mm -hmm. but Unless you're playing a tournament where 50% of your opponents are likely to be undead, which you might be in your current meta, but if you're not, um, you're still not going to take Hex anyway. So this is, I don't even think it's 0.5. It's I actually think it's nothing. It's nothing. It's zero. It's that 
useless. It's just more words onto the spell. <laughs> that does that, with that said, I want to give it a try and I want to see if I can get a bit of I value tried. out of it. But I tried. No, if... Okay. So you don't think the pinning down element that they've sort of included here is going to change too much? No, I think it's far too specific. It still gives your opponent a choice. Think of the hoops you've got to jump through. A, they've got to have a spellcaster. B, they've got to have a spellcaster that has a relevant spell, which is in range. C, they have to care if they can't move. So maybe they just don't move and cast it anyway and it doesn't matter. Or maybe they um, don't cast because they still have the choice. So they can just go, oh, I won't cast this turn. And that's what Hex did before a lot of the time against uh, spellcasters that had a lot of dice on the spells. Because of course, if you've got like Bane Chant 2, you're like, I'm Hexed, who cares? I'm just going to mm-hmm. cast it anyway. Oh, I might take a wound. whoop de doo It never causes a um, route roll. It doesn't matter how much damage it does in a way, but especially if you do a low amount of damage, you're like, well, this isn't going to affect even my next route roll. So it, it kind of needs to have a lot of... So you need to be a spellcaster of more than zero. You need to have a spell that's relevant. You need to, for the spell to be out of range anyway. And then you need to care. And they need to have a spell that does has a, a decent amount of... Uh, successes to it yeah, exactly because then you still have to follow it up with another attack to cause that nerve roll and often yep. they just they just not a, a target pro- choice yeah it's just yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it's it's a total and utter potato so i think <laughs> i think what we're saying is that uh <laughs> hugh loves hex um just as much as i just do. as much <laughs> as you do yeah. but like i mean it, it's obviously surge builds that are mostly impacted by this so it's the undeads yeah. your sylvankins your empire right. of uh dust uh, particularly yeah. now that soul snare which we'll talk about in a little bit can now be hexed and herd and nature so those are those are the ones that can have a surge build um what we're saying is that they're not nerfed enough by this change it's the the hex change isn't attractive enough to even quantify a neg 0.5. No. And there's obviously no, no positives for any of the other armies. They haven't got this chip. So we will move straight on to Enthrall. So the only change to Enthrall was previously you couldn't cast it on the same target twice. Now you can. There's not many that... You're not going to have very many armies that have multiple Enthrall. Exactly. So it's Goblins now with their new character. They have multiples. Uh, Night Stalkers, Trident Realms, and I think... Forces of the Abyss can do it, and I think uh, Undead can, potentially. It's more than I thought. Yeah, the, it's actually more than I thought Out as well. Out of the 20-something armies, it's... Yeah, 26 armies. So the Night Stalkers mm. is actually, like, you've got to make this weird build to even be able to make it work. Yeah, I tried. I tried making that for a upcoming tournament, a Windblast and Thrall build. Yeah. It's a lot of points to put into it. But I guess it's it's okay that they removed that line because it was a bit weird that you could pull units to you. I mean, you could push units away from you with Windblast multiple times, but not with Enthrall. Mm. Why was that? And Windblast was like more prevalent than Enthrall to begin with. Yeah. 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 And also was not powerful. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like it's like, man, oh no, Windblast army. I'm screwed. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Can I say one last thing on Hex there just to be discussed? (laughs) All I want to say is that the main reason that Benson and I, I think, are so passionate about Hex is because we want it to be good. We want it to be good. We want it to be good. We want it to be an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's all I wanted to say. Like, it's not yeah. good and it's it's never been good and please make it good. And this is an attempt and it didn't work. It's a great idea yeah. to try and force your opponent to think about something, but it doesn't it doesn't work. 
Yeah. So my summary thoughts on Enthrall, I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah, it's 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 nice. It doesn't change anything. I've never taken it before and I don't feel particularly inclined to take it again. I think it could be a powerful ability. I think it's cool, but I, I don't think this change mattered to anyone too much. It just feels like this is how it should have been. Yeah, I'd have to go back through and have a look at exactly who's got multiple castles. I know that definitely Night Stalkers and definitely I think Trident the Realms. Night Stalkers, yeah. yeah. Um, but why cool. I think Trident Realms probably over the others is because they've got the ability to surge as well. The others, mm. all the others don't. So mm. Night Stalkers and Forces of the Abyss, they don't have it at the moment. Yeah. Sooner or later, some Night Stalker player is going to get you though, right? They're going to be like... Once in a blue moon. You're on an objective. I'm going to enthrall you off and then I'm going to throw you off again. And then next turn, I'll charge you in the flank, but you still get a chance to react because it's after my movement phase and stuff, yeah. But I guess you can enthrall, enthrall, and then surge into the that's, flank. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It does open a exactly. little bit of yeah. surge shenanigans, yeah. So plus point, point 0.5 to the armies that can do it. But just before we move on, um, is, does Undead have it only on that um, vampire lady? Is yeah. that the only one? That... Yep, she's so the they only can't, one. So they can't, they can't do it twice. It anyway. No. Okay. But still, it's, it's useful on her. Like, don't get me wrong, like, that's still a useful ability but there's no actual change there yeah so why i sort of mention it and the only reason that people will be like why is it even mentioning it during <laughs> this thing when they can only cast it once is because there is in the same book there is an item now that can give you enthrall six i think so uh there could be a potential to have two um but that makes sense it is an option up to everyone else if they want to be able to use that in a tournament setting. So that's okay. We'll put in Trident Realms, Forces of the Abyss, and uh, Night Stalkers as the ones that get a, a 0.5 positive on that one. We'll move on mm -hmm. to the, the next and the final spell change, and that's Mind Fog. Uh, so the only change now is that it gives Shattering as well before you do the test. So an extra neg one. It's... Okay, I still think if you can cast Mind Fog, you can cast Lightning Bolt, and if you cast Lightning Bolt, you're causing damage, which is uh, no, not not true. Mind, anyway. Mind Fog is a twenty-four to thirty-six inch spell, as far as I'm concerned, because a lot of the characters that can take Mind Fog can also take Lightning Bolt. You're absolutely right, Benson, on that front. But Lightning Bolt's twenty-four inches range. Mind Fog's thirty-six. It's about getting that thing at the back line that you can't quite hit with anything else, and the idea of giving it like that extra chance to route the opponent. I am, I like this change. I, I think another one, it's another one a bit like Hex mm -hmm. uh, where it's very soft handed. Like it's clearly been massaged with a lot of play testing and that's mm. probably, it's probably fine. I mean, again, it's a very cheap spell. They don't want to increase this, the cost of it or anything for those who have it, yep. you know. Uh, so I, I think this is a fine change, but again, it's one of those ones that just too negligible for even a 0.5 change, man. What I think would have been nice is if it had a like um, an extra shattering per successful mm. dice on the spell. That would definitely make Night Stalkers amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting actually, because then it doesn't actually do damage. You'd it... cut down those the, the mind fog on the the uh, the screeches from six to something a bit more reasonable. Ah, <laughs> uh, true. It would be yeah, that's right. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> good point. You'd have to make the additional change if any of those ones that have like heaps of yeah. mind fog. Are there any weird characters that have like Mind Fog 10 or anything? No, I can't think of anything. Six is the highest six, I've seen. Yep, six is the highest, and that's just six on Six obviously, that would be way too good. That is, it basically becomes Lightning Bolt at that point with 36-inch range. It's like Lightning Bolt 6 with... <laughs> it's yeah. better than Lightning Bolt 6 at 36. Yeah, you couldn't do that, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You need to cut it down. Yeah. But I don't think I've seen Mind Fog used 
at all in all the games that I've played. Maybe once or twice, which did nothing. Yeah, not that you'd pay yeah. for. So I've used yeah. definitely Mindfogs previously in Night Stalker lists, but only because I didn't have any light, lightning bolt candidate and I could throw out a Mindfog just to get a test. Mm. And then you need a, a 10 or 12 or 10 or 11 to try yeah. and take something off. Yeah, Just to trigger that test. Used it myself about half a dozen times and uh, never actually routed anything with it. But I'm waiting for the day when I do. And I don't know because I don't remember, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if one of those times <laughs> I would have got him if I had. <laughs> yeah. If I had shattering, right? Like yeah. maybe, maybe. <laughs> and then yeah, I'd probably be like, yeah, Mindfog's legit, man. <laughs> I'd be sitting here going, no, there was this time. Mindfog was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 0. 0.5 buff. That's okay. It's nice. So a point, works. 0. 0.5 buff to who? Night um, Stalkers? To anyone who can take it, really. Can we define what we're talking about when we say 0.5 or 1 or whatever? So you're saying like, so like 0.5 is like a reasonable buff, not a, not a big deal. One's like real solid, yeah, like this good. is a significant yep. choice yep. now. And like 1.5 is like, man, this is awesome. And two is like, they've made it broken. Why, yeah, why the hell did you make that talking? change? Yep, that is exactly yeah, cool, it. Cool, cool. Okay, so that's the scale, just so that people understand what we're talking about. Yeah, there's a couple of those that will be impacted positively by that mind fog shattering. So that that's mm-hmm. pretty handy. Yep. The I'll next, give it a 0.5. the next we've got is the irregular. So these are previously irregular units, so that you couldn't ally them in and you couldn't unlock or get them as unlocks. And they've mm. made quite a few changes. Uh, so the first one that came through is the elves. So they had a lot of. Irregulars, obviously I've ranted about it enough. War chariots are now regular. Dracon riders are regular, massive. And glade glade stalkers are now regular. Yeah, I guess that's a good change. Yeah. All good changes except the Dracon riders, yeah. Yeah. I can see this. (laughs) This immediately goes to a one because of that Dracons. I was just saying that to to just irritate Selick, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So um, if I take my elf hat off, um, I think it could even be argued as a 1.5. I don't think the, the Dracon Riders needed to happen because you still got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 units that unlock in infantry alone that weren't a regular Glade Stalkers now upping that to 7. Yeah, but no one took any of them, you see, so they always struggle for unlock, Spencer. Yeah. yeah and right. Okay. To be, <laughs> to, to be honest, I don't think anyone will take Glade Stalkers again still with this change. What's wrong with them? I think they're a good unit. I think that um, people should consider taking a regiment in their army every now and again. It's, yep. it's not like mm. it's not like it makes them OP. I think it's that's a superb change. That's just like chef's kiss. Excuse Don't take me. archers. <laughs> take glade stalkers. <laughs> take, no, well, you can take archers still. They have their place. They're much cheaper. But glade stalkers, I love it. It's such a cool change. I really like those kinds of scouty units anyway. I've been getting into dwarf rangers and the icy scout guys from Northern Alliance, whatever they're <laughs> called. Like I've been enjoying that kind of unit and I love that they're not irregular anymore. But no one gives a rats because Dracon changes. And I agree with you, Selick. I think this is a 1.5. A 1.5? What do you think, Benson? Yeah. It's a little bit over the curve. They, they've yep. changed, you know, they made that change. I feel like a lot of the irregular changes were made when it comes to flying, like forget shooting units for a second, that's a separate issue. You know, units that were given a regular were given a regular mainly because of units like Dracons. So it makes you it makes your armies possible where you have three hordes of Dracons and then a few characters to back them up that also fly or whatever else. And you have these sort of insane skewed armies that don't feel like an army, that don't have a core of spearmen and whatever else. So then by making Dracons no longer irregular anymore, 
they put that kind of army back on the table for elves. I feel your pain, man. Like elves have had some weird internal balance problems for a long time and that's a real shame. I'm actually not much of a fan of this change. Yeah, 1.5 is the consensus. Yep. Uh, So the next one is, and we'll probably get through the next couple pretty quickly. Uh, So Empire of Dust. Revenant uh, Revenant chariots are now Zero regular. Next. <laughs> Empire of Dust weren't hinging on Revenant chariots to be able to make some fantastic builds. I agree, but I think it's nice that they have that as an extra build option and that it might change their builds a bit. Because no nobody's like, oh, Revenant chariots are so OP. No one's yeah, ever said that. 0.5, so yeah. Give them an extra option to that take helps. that instead of another unit give them a bit of a different mobility option and still be able to take all their characters because it's so important for Empire of Dust to take all their unique characters and stuff. Yep. Rock and roll. <laughs> Love the change. Yep, same. Uh, next one is something in your wheelhouse, Benson, and that is Goblins, Fleabag Chariots. Doesn't it's This is a nothing change. Goblins have so many options for unlocks. They don't need it. <laughs> but did you ever take Fleabag Chariots? Nope. Would you now? Would you take a regiment now just for fun? Nope. <laughs> it's still a defense for 14 16 nerve unit i'd rather just take fleabag riders it's yeah easy to maneuver okay so even though it does give you the extra options which is sort of like the 0.5 you're saying that even with this extra option you're not going to take it no yeah i've never struggled with goblins to unlock so i wasn't hoping oh i wish those chariots were not irregular or were regular so i could make this army work no okay it's nothing and the orcs, so they get the Skulk Raider chariots. I think the same thing here. Yeah. Orcs have got so many infantry, you're always going to be unlocking stuff. I agree. Okay. Now, the next one. Now, this one here is not something that you're going to ignore. This is Basilea. They get Alohi back regular, and they also get Sisterhood Panther chariots. This is similar to Elves in the sense that Alohi are the unit that they really wanted to be regular, that were irregular in the same way as Dracons. Yeah. But also, as you said, Selick, they lost nimble, right? Yep. So that, that change still matters. So going back to having a heap of these units as being your unlocks is still not going to be as strong as it was last edition because losing that nimble is a big deal, especially in like high-level games. Not having that nimble really matters. And I think with Basilea, unlocks is never a really an issue anymore, um, where I think it was initially until they got the, the Ogre Palace Guard. So I don't think yeah. this is a 1.5 change like it was for the Elves that got three unlocks. I think this is just a one. What do you guys think? I would have loved to see Ogre Palace Guard get irregular to count to counteract the fact that these guys have regular. I realize that most ogre-sized units don't have irregular. Yeah, go the other way around. You know, it's the Palace Guard thing, right? They're like the yeah. super elite <laughs> of the elite. Like, why is your whole army goddamn Palace Guard and you've got no regular blokes? Palace Guard are a little undercosted, and the the two changes you can make to them is well, obviously you can make heaps of changes, but <laughs> the two changes <laughs> I'd be thinking of is make them cost more or make them irregular. Yeah, I don't think the problems with the yellow high. I think it's yeah, it's a one change though. I agree with with Benson. It's a big change. And what do you, what do you think about the chariot change there? No one cares. <laughs> you know, I care because I really like chariots in Kings of War. I, I love that all of these ones have changed to regular. I don't think it's going to increase their usage that much, but the fact that it will a little bit, I find pleasing. I think it's great. Mm. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, it's a plus one bump. Also note that even though the Aloha are now regular, you can't take them as allies. Oh, why is that? Why is that? Uh, they've been given a rule in addition to all of this, um, in that, uh, which we'll read 
just in a moment, but okay. it says that this unit is no longer irregular, but still cannot be taken as ally. So it specifies that this unit can't be done. Cool, because they don't want angels all over the shop, given that it's like anti-fluff already. They don't mind yeah. you taking dragons, though, from the elves. Of all the units that became regular, the only two that I dislike is Dracons and um, Alohi. And probably everyone that plays those two armies will disagree with me. So you know mm. what? Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm willing to accept that. But yeah. It makes definitely made my elf list building easier, but I, I tend to agree with you here as an elf mm. player as well. But we're not here to talk about my poor list building abilities. You're unusually <laughs> humble for an elf player, though. Uh, so, Forces of Nature, and I'm going to group mm -hmm. up the Trident Realm, also get the Naiad Heart Pierces uh, mm -hmm. at, to unlock as well. So, I had this one here as a 0.5 upgrade, just purely because it could help if you're taking a regiment of them. Yep, 0.5 is fine. I think it's uh, a bit better with Trident Realm mm -hmm. than Forces of Nature, just because Forces of Nature, you'll probably be taking a few hordes of various elementals, whereas you can't really do that with Trident Realm unless you're just sticking with the water. So it helps with Trident Realm more than it does forces, but I still think it's on that 0.5 level. Much like chariots, this is the kind of unit that they had a blanket rule where they're like, well, we don't want to we don't want to promote gun lines, which I am all for, by the way. Like I'm all over that like a red hot rash correct we shouldn't be promoting gun lines so we're going to make shooting units irregular but in actual fact uh they probably should have done it on a more case-by-case -case basis because yeah. there are some like this one which doesn't in any way break the game to be regular and to give them a slight buff and make them more of an option by making them regular yeah fantastic and I, was, I was taking them before the change so it just makes my life a little bit easier yeah this is this is an example of mantic going or, or mantic and the rules committee and the playtesters whoever makes the decision around this exactly i don't know you know what we've slightly overchanged this in third ed not that they made so many vast changes in yeah. third ed to begin with but uh, they've slightly uh, over applied this rule let's just dial it back a little bit on relevant situations mm -hmm. really intelligent stuff i think okay so i think we're pretty agreed that on trident realm and nature it's probably a plus five point five a point five. Point yep. five. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Plus five if, is a bit much. <laughs> if we could go into more, Trident Realms probably benefit a little bit more. But yeah. one that I do think benefit a little bit more is the Forces of the Abyss. So Tortured mm -hmm. Souls are now regular and Flame Bearers also. Yay. Um, so this one here, I think, particularly like Flame Bearers, meh. I liked Flame Bearers changes because I can in, uh, ally them into my Abyssal Dwarf army. And because I had a second ed. ed um, army where i had it was a small demon contingent mm -hmm. like they were kind of praying to them or whatever and i couldn't do that once um third had dropped because flame bearers were irregular now i can bring them back they're not great but at least <laughs> my army's uh returned ah excellent uh tortured souls i think is probably i have them in as a plus one for me um so not just over a plus 0.5 up into mm -hmm. that plus one just purely on now that you can take multiple units of tortured souls there are dash 17 flying 16 unit yeah, I think it's on the same level as Basileia, yeah. Likewise, I think, well, without the egregious change, honestly. Like, I think uh, changing to the Angels I didn't particularly like, but I have no problem with these changes at all. I think uh, I like the Flamebearers models, actually, mm -hmm. quite a bit from Mantic. And I think if we see a bit more of them, fantastic. I'm just rereading the, the stats again. Yeah, yeah, it's actually an okay unit. It's They're kind of like the heart pierces, so I should take them more often. But now I can, yeah. Yeah, the exact, it's the kind of unit that you like, that you're like, well, they're kind of 
do I take them? Do I not? It's very close in my army. Like it's a real knife edge and then they're a regular armor. Oh, well, maybe I won't. Yeah. And so making them regular, it's more like that's a decision again. Great yep. change. All right. So the next one is the Northern Alliance. So they get pack hunters now. So these guys Ooh. now become regular as well. So 155, um, they've got piercing one, only a 12 inch range here with the javelins as their options. Pretty handy, I think. Were Northern Alliance struggling with unlocks? Not really, in my opinion, but um, I do really like this change for exactly the same reasons that I'd mentioned before. I really like the Northern Alliance army, and I think these models are really sweet. And they're the kind of ones that, especially with their short range and stuff, they were exact same position as Heart Piercers and Flame Bearers, where it's not that the Northern Alliance was struggling for unlocks, it's more like this unit simply wasn't taken. And they still hit on fours as well, so that, that's like pretty yeah. handy as well. Point five. I had them in as a 0.5 just purely because it gives that little bit of options depending upon the builds that you want. Obviously, it does free up if you want ice kin hunters or other. Certainly not a nerf. It's not a massive buff, so 0.5. 0.5, I like it. So the next two I'm going to group up again. So that's the Sylvan kin and the Twilight kin. Uh, So Mm -hmm. similar to the elves, they get their Glade stalkers unlocked. 0.5. Yep. So I I tend to agree with this one. It does open up an option. Um, It's... Not a great option if you ask me, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, if you want to play elves more like elves instead of dragons with elves on them, I'm ah, all over it. More dragons, I say. And th- the last change from irregular to regular is in the Varanger list, and that is the Night Raiders. So the Night Raiders previously just didn't really get taken. I don't even know what Night Raiders are. What so, are Night yeah, they're Raiders? the pack hunters. They're the evil pack hunters. Yeah, they raid at night, mate. Oh, right. How do they see what they're throwing javelins at? It's night time. Uh, they're Varanga that they've got night eyes. Oh. They don't actually like to see in the day. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes anyway. Yeah, that's it. I think that's one of their special rules. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> they're a very similar unit to, to pack under. So I don't think... I think it's the same spot, 0.5. It's mm-hmm. like people are crying that they couldn't take well, night raiders. I love pack hunters. So that's my favorite change from regular to irregular. Purely just totally biased because I really like Northern Alliance. <laughs> it's the only reason so yeah if you're a Varanger player and you're thinking about playing these guys especially since they're a, a, a army with relatively little shooting and still fights they're still pretty good in combat yeah they're still they still hit on fours with melee um with thunderous charge they scout as well as pathfinder and they're stealthy so they're hard to take off what makes me want to put this over 0.5 um, but i can never justify it, is purely their wolf handler upgrade so this is where they create their own aura of vicious for tundra wolves. So they run with the wolves. Okay. No, still, still point still five. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we'll lock yeah. it in as a point five, and now we will slowly go across mm-hmm. into the different armies. The first army that we're going to talk about now is the Abyssal Dwarfs. So they have mm-hmm. two main changes, and I'll go through the two changes, then we can talk about what sure. the change is. So the first one is the Heavy Mortar. So the Heavy Mortar goes from Piercing 3 down to Piercing 2. And the hex casters, which could normally just remove the hex, which is a part of their name, for free uh, and get weakness three. <laughs> now they have to pay 20 points for weakness three instead yeah. of having that free option. I think it's a neg point five. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm torn because I wanted the heavy mortars to be nerfed very badly. I think they needed it. But one crushing strength, is it enough? I'm not sure. Probably it is. Probably it is. Like my gut tells me that it's 
about, right? Um, but what, what it actually means, let's boil it down to what it means, right? So if you have toughness five, so instead of being two plus for a reroll, most of the time you'd be three plus with a reroll, which is still pretty reliable, pretty but okay. you're going to roll some twos here and there. So it is actually going to reduce its reliability against those super tough units. Against other units that are not toughness five or more, it's no change. Uh, so it's really just all it does is slightly mitigate their damage output on your real toughness five, like powerhouse, super important units, like your dragons or your like, you know, critical unit that's trying to hold an objective, whatever it is. Um, and even then, only when you roll exactly twos. So, mm. so when you when you like put it that way, you realize that this nerf is not quite as big as it looks like, but it does see it does feel about right. What? I don't like is that it's now far too similar to the standard Grog Mortar because they're both piercing two. The only difference is one has shattering and an extra attack on its blast for 20 points. Which is still worth it. But I still want the Heavy Mortar to sound like a Heavy Mortar. I still think it should be punching through a lot of stuff. It should have just been more expensive. I would have preferred a points increase for sure as well. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Because otherwise they just I would have rather see like a 30 point increase or yeah. 20 or something yeah. like that. What do we think about the hex caster change? I think it was a needed change for balance terms. Um, it's definitely a nerf because it now makes the hex caster 90 points because you're not going to run it with hex 3 because weakness was actually useful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's a good change. It's bad for Abyssal Dwarf players, but boohoo Abyssal Dwarf players. I mean, I've got Abyssal Dwarf army. It's, I reckon mm -hmm. they're 0.5. Okay. So are we saying that the hex caster change is 0.5 and the mortar change is a 0.5, or both of them together is a 0.5 change? I think both change? together. Both of them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one is the Basilar change. So we've already spoken about one that really doesn't impact their ability. So that's their low high and the low high. They can no longer yep. be taken as allies, irrespective of their regular status. But their mm -hmm. big one change that they had, and we were seeing it particularly in the last couple of months, is the High Paladin on the Dragon. So they've amended the nerve now to be 17-19, but it now gains Headstrong Special Rule. They were previously Fearless, is that right? That's correct. Okay. So they've lost Fearless, but have gained Headstrong. So uh, two and three chance of being Fearless anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be, a that'll be a really relevant change one third of the time that it was in exactly the situation where I'm at it anyway. Very, very slight nerf. Like, I mean, this one here was, and there's a couple of these that we'll, we're going to talk about that they've sort of given now mm. a waiver value instead of just a mm -hmm. dash, but they've given in special rules that almost negate that change. The rational part of me says that this has been heavily playtested and they've realized it's very slightly OP. And so they've given it a very slight nerf. Mm. And I commend them for that. It's awesome that they can have a very slight nerf but when the nerf is that slight for players like for anyone really like what am i saying for anyone <laughs> the nerf is so small that like why bother yeah probably should have just given them the uh, ability to waver and just don't worry about the headstrong this is like the hex change it's a lot of stuffing around for no real impact yeah Okay, so I would still say that this one here is a, a negative 0.5. 15 point increase would have been a negative 0.5. This rule change is a negative 0 0.05 in my view. Uh, up to you, Benson. Yeah. You're 0.5, on the fence. Outvoted. No, outvoted. That's totally chill. 0.5. Yep. All right, so we'll move on to the next one, which is dwarfs. They've only got one change, and that's on the warsmith. So previously, the warsmith would have an aura that would inspire as well as make 
um, all of the War Machines Elite. Mm -hmm. And now the Warsmith now gives Inspiring to the Warsmith as well as Iron Watch, and it gives them Elite as an aura. Well, the War Machines have keywords Warsmith. Yeah, the War Engines it. have Warsmith, so that's, that's still fine. They just now can do it to Iron Watch, which is good. Remind me what Iron Watch means. Is that just Iron Watch are the the, um, the handgun the guys yeah. and the crossbows as well? Is that correct? Watch crossbows, yeah. Yeah, so it's crossbow and handgun units, right? Yep. Iron Watch rifles, yeah. Uh, sharpshooters also have Warsmith, so that works. It's actually quite a significant a, buff when you think about it, because yeah. on regular on regular war machines, you fire what two or three shots, so elite mm -hmm. has very limited value. The dwarves have the flame. Belcher, which will be running with the rest of the army because it's a short range, and that's got 15 attacks, so the Elite will work well with that. Oh, wait, hang on. Battle Drillers, Warsmith, Steel Behemoths, Warsmith. Oh, Steel God. Behemoths are Warsmiths? They've got more shots than you can pack a stick at. That's pretty good. What kind of mm. points are these guys? I've only ever played Free Dwarves. Not, so 95 points, and you yeah. get that aura. What else do you get? Anything? I mean, they're okay. They're melee 5, ranged 4, uh, with 4 melee attacks, four, 11, yeah. 13 nerve. Uh, they have standard aura elite range warsmith art so just read anything because it's been amended Gook. but they've got some pistols with ps1 but i think really good value now 95 points with the sacred horn to give a nine inch mm -hmm. bubble of this elite but you can make a really mm. good gun line from this and i'm going to regret good. saying that on a podcast yeah i could i could see the sacred horn being useful but i mean Gunline players know 95 points where it might get you another almost almost another regiment of shooty dudes um mm. certainly a troop it's not necessarily as good but um no i think that guy's that character's in a really good spot yeah i think yeah. it's great so a one or a 0.5 0.5 it, it can, surely it can only be 0.5 if it's a unit that you already never saw ever yeah so yeah. now he now he will be on the table so yeah <laughs> i think it, it doesn't break the game Gives you the option. Cool. It's 0.5. 0.5? All right. We're going to move on before mm -hmm. we think too much mm -hmm. of it because we're going to yep. jump into Empire of Dust. So they've got... They've got a few changes. Four changes, yeah. So the first one that we're going to see in Undead as well is that Revenant Cav. So they have been increased by 10 points. So they've gone up to 115 points for the troop and 180 points for the regiment. Mm -hmm. uh, the second change that they've got is the Revenant King on the Undead Great Flying Rim. That is a great long name. <laughs> uh, so they have had their nerve reduced by one, but the... Big thing here is that they've gone up in 15 points on the Flying Rim, so obviously taken a fair bit. The third the third change is that the Cursed High Priest has had its strain life reduced by one, but it has okay. also had its points reduced, like that point of the upgrade reduced mm. by five points. In addition to that, the Reanimator, I think it's special rule, so that has now been changed. The reanimator, previously it was you had to target a skeleton unit to be able to right. make it worthwhile. Now you don't have that limitation, but you need to have skeletons nearby to have it. So you can still increase your drain life and things, um, as well as your heal, your fireball, and all these other things, but you've got to have skeletons, skeletons nearby, so which is pretty fine. good. And the last yeah. change is that Soul Snare is now Spellcaster 1, so Benson, you hey, will be able to hex that it. That helps. <laughs> And for those who didn't know what a soul snare was, that was the Drain Life 9 war engine. Yeah. Yep. So I'm just going to summarize these up in two seconds. So Revenant Cav had a little bit of a nerf, price increase. Yep. Revenant King on the Flying Worm, uh, reduced nerve, increased cost pretty severely. Mm -hmm. Correct. Cursed uh, the High Priest, reduced Drain Life, in, uh, decreased points, and mm -hmm. also yep. had its 
special rule I think is uh, boosted a, a tiny little bit and soul snare can be hexed. What do we think? Okay. I'm personally leaning towards a negative one because of these changes. It was a, it's a good change. That's it. Yeah. So what do we think of a neg one? I agree, neg one. Because there's so many of these um, nerfs, I think, I mean, they're uh, well-deserved, but yeah, neg one. Neg one. All right. So the next one is Forces of Nature. So they've had two changes. So the first change is the Wilt Father effect that seems to be happening in Clash of Kings. Uh, so that is... Everyone that has a tree herder can now upgrade it to the Wilt Fighter. We know who this guy is. He's got Dash 19. He's got all the extra attacks. He's got Cloak of Death for 40 points. He's um, the organic idol of Shobik. <laughs> he is. Uh, and the other big change is the Avatar of the Green Lady that you probably wouldn't have seen in all of 3rd edition is had a 35-point decrease in points. Um, so now becomes a little bit more of an option. Um, it helps. I, Yep, yeah. it does help. Uh, it still doesn't have a place in your army. I'm not quite sure. Just a heal six flyer, that's it, for 150 points. 35 points is a lot, man. That's a big decrease in points. I'd it's 150 it still, costed. and all she does is heal six. Yeah. I mean, so, she's got balance, like, a two. Yeah, she might be able to go down an extra five, ten points, maybe. No, I think she, she's probably in a good spot now, 150, yeah. I think she's probably in a good spot now with fly, I think she's got. Um, so I had this one here as a plus one for all of the nature. I think Green Lady is probably the 0.5 and the Tree Herder now having the Wilt Father it just provides another option that you can have. While I don't think the Wilt Father is broken, um, it's definitely an attacking option. I think the Wilt Father is a bit broken. I don't think. I mean, it's an extra 40 points, that upgrade. I don't think he's too far broken. I don't think he's the most broken thing in the world, but I think he's just a bit broken. I think this is a, for me, this is a 1.5. Ooh. Yeah. And it's just entirely on the Wilt Father. I don't even care about the Green Lady changes, even though I like them. I think they're great. But um, as far as the balance is concerned, like, the, I mean, these changes, let's be honest, overall, they're mostly very small. Mm -hmm. There's not many huge disparities. As far as I know, and maybe you'll change my mind over the course of this cast, but I don't think there's any plus two changes which is like the took it too far really extreme i think you'll see every competitive nature army with a world father in it so what part about this do you find that's a bit overpowered hugh so he's going from he's just reached that point like he's like the idol of shobik in the um in the empire of dust it's just that he's he's that level of def defensive toughness that's so insanely tough that he's going to irritate new players out of the out of the game like you know as in like he's just so ridiculously tough and and he has that that um aura of of, of death um, yeah cloak of death yeah the cloak of death is such a good combo with a unit that you just can't remove uh like shobik instead has that aura of um uh iron resolve which is really annoying as well but this one instead it's just i pulse out damage all the time hmm and you just basically can't kill me. It's it's a really useful combination. It's one of those units like where you look at it and you go, yeah, but it's really expensive. Yeah, but it's really worth it. It's really worth it. This is an incredibly powerful unit. Where did I see the Wilt Father before? before uh, you would have this? seen that in Sylvankin. There is one other major change to all Wilt Fathers that we're going to talk about. And previously there was this little bit of a slip up, I guess, in the rules is that you could take the Wilt Father upgrade on your tree herder. 
as well as giving it magical items, now you cannot use magical artifacts as well as the upgrade. Right. It turns him into a, a, a unique unit. Okay, so I think uh, Wiltfather probably shouldn't have been across the board thing. I think it should have been Sylvankin, Elves, and Forces of Nature only. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Herd as well. Just those four. Yes. I guess that's the only four that you can take, really. Yeah, so elves can't get it. I don't think you should have should be able to ally it. Yeah, that's that's going to be the interesting bit. Then it turns it into a unique unit and you can't ally unique units. Yeah, I shouldn't have. Okay, so we're saying... Hopefully that gets changed. Hugh's, I'm saying one. Hugh's saying 1.5. What are you saying, Benson? I reckon it's a one. I still think that's 40 points for a couple of extra... Yeah. It's a one. Okay. Uh, The next one is the Free Dwarfs. Now, these ones, we had these way down the list in our uh, ranking sort of things. And there's this tiny little change in keywords that I think actually has a massive effect. So this is adding the tracker keyword to the Free Dwarf Spear Levy, Mm -hmm. the Shield Breakers, the Iron Watch Rifles, and the Iron Watch Crossbows. So that's uh, all of their infantry and shooting infantry or ranged infantry. So now all this does yep. effectively is means that two of their characters can now give them inspiring where they previously couldn't. Which is good. I think that's fantastic. So it doesn't Im- it doesn't really improve the units. It improves the characters, right? Like because it improves the synergy of, yeah. of the characters yeah. to the units. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. so I had this one here down as a probably a one. Having these two characters that you can have, having inspiring just provides you not just a little bit of an option. It's a massive option. And which characters are they? So Hanaeus the Hunter and Ranger Captain? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, Hanaeus, who fortunately sucks now, because um, he used to be too good. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate Hanaeus. I hate him. <laughs> but now he's inspiring all your, all your troops. Uh, same no, with the, uh, I think it's, I, yeah. I really like the Ranger it's Captain. Yep. I liked him before, when, but he needed like several units of Dwarf Rangers to be good because he inspired mm-hmm. so few things. Mm-hmm. Now that he inspires more stuff, He's going to be fantastic. He's a really useful little unit. I recommend the Pipes of Doom on him or something like that. Like, and he can just, he can be a surprisingly impactful unit. He's one of those units that reads as like not really doing that much, mm. but those extra few attacks, the fact that he gets to add them at range and he can add a few extra combat res in combat, it makes him significantly better than like a standard bearer equivalent. And now that he basically acts as a standard bearer because he inspires a lot more stuff, um, yeah, he's become a really useful, viable unit. Love the change. Really, really like this change. Yep, it's a good right. positive change. Sounds good. I reckon a plus one, you guys? Yes, yep. I agree. All right, sweet. We'll jump into goblins. Only the one change. Uh, so previously, the wingets. I know that, Benson, you love these guys. Uh, so if they were disordered, they would still be able to use the Eye of the Sky special rule. Now they mm-hmm. will not be able to. Um, I, I think it's negligible, this change. But that's my opinion. I think for those that used Eye in the Sky, it's probably a neg 0.5 to nothing, just because you have to get that thing into combat. It's it's this very situational. Um, this is, this feels more like a rule fix up, like it yeah. should have already been yeah. that way, because it's like it's like a shooting attack, and it's like they're disordered. You know, yeah. like so it's yeah. just it feels more like of a just making the rules a bit more consistent, rather than a real change. In the situation where you've caught. A wing it in the in no man's land you've got to charge off you've done one wound to it you've pinned it down and then it backs up and then uses the iron sky and it takes off a unit with war machines yeah if they roll exactly if ones, they roll ones yeah. and <laughs> then and then re-roll and hit like you know there's a lot of people forget there's just so many rules to jump through like giving something elite 
like is not a big deal because you need to <laughs> when you've only got two dice to and you're hitting you on fives. And, you hit, and you're hitting on fives because you are you need to first roll the one and then roll the five on the re-roll like the odds of that are not good yeah this is a zero absolutely zero it's a, it's a, it's a rule that didn't do much to begin with i mean it, it did if you take all the bloody yeah but in very but... very specific circumstances yeah. you don't get to use your elite rule but your rock throwers still throw rocks like they, they still do that <laughs> maybe i just yeah. want to uh, give this a, a neg point five because i hate wings <laughs> but that's right yeah because when you play them against me i never take that thing because i never take the stupid war machines in in force because it's yeah. not good <laughs> it's not good everyone just thinks it's good it's not <laughs> to uh night stalkers so they've got two changes i do believe okay. uh so the two changes are to the reaper soul drinker so does that mean that we know that it's confirmed that souls are liquid yes okay uh, souls are liquid um physics update yep there you go can you drink gas can you drink gas i have already updated wikipedia on don't this you one. inhale gas yeah, yeah that's true that's true <laughs> so this guy here has gone up 15 points so just for our listeners this is the guy that gives that aura of leech life to all other reapers you mean uh, life leech yep yes life leech <laughs> leech life whatever it is. Um, so that's been pretty good. And the other change is to the ally favorite. So that's the butchers. So these were previously dash uh, 15 and dash 18. So mm -hmm. they now go to 13, 15 and 16, 18. They now get fury. Now, I think this is a bit more of a change than the other one, like with the Basilean mm -hmm. dude, just because butchers well, are going to be on the ground and there can be things behind it. So wavering them like with some shooting, just a 13 on, on the horde. Yep. It's it's not unlikely. And yeah. keeping them from, from charging is It's possible. Maybe this is a bigger change than I'd realised. Maybe you're right, actually. Because, yes, you can waver them for shooting. That's the only yeah. difference, is that you can waver them for shooting with exactly the right dice. Yeah. The only reason I disagree with that is because they've, all, they've still got stealthy. So they're going to be hard yeah, to shoot true. as true. well. And also, they come in armies where either... The other units in the army are elvy kind of dark elfy kind of characters, mm -hmm. which don't have stealthy and are better targets for shooting. Or they come in like night stalker kind of armies where everything has stealthy, but everything else has lower defense. They're like the, in either army, they're like the worst target for your shooting weapons because mm. they're the defense five stealthy unit. Like they're the unit that you don't want to shoot. And the only weakness they gave them is a extremely slight weakness against specifically shooting. Uh, I've, I've put this one down as a negative one, just purely because there's two changes, two small changes. 0.5. I don't think the butchers is a massive change. I don't think it's the, the shooting initially before they get in combat. I think it's after that first round of combat where they've killed whatever it is, they've taken a few wounds, and then you can pin them down with a little bit of shooting. Yeah, just that one, one or two damage to get that nerve, yeah. No. No, you're thinking of a very specific scenario. That's just not going to come up, man. It's just not going to come up. Point 0.5. We'll put that down as a, a neg point 0.5. These things come up for me, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. So the next one, and we're going to go through these a little bit quicker now. So, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Salamanders, the Gekatar. I'm enjoying myself. Do you have to edit this episode or something? Yeah, it I seems do. like you're eager to get I through it. I do have to edit it. <laughs> Dear God. 
Uh, Gekatar Hunters. Uh, so these guys here, they add steady aim, special rule to their both bows as well as yes. their blowpipes. This is a 0.5 upgrade. 0.5 upgrade should have been in there straight away. Yeah. Yep. Love the change. This is a great change for them. They had steady aim already with their blowpipes, but now you can just exchange it uh, with that increase of points to bows. Mm-hmm. Cool unit. Uh, very nicely convertible unit, by the way. You can make some really cool little lizard dudes like jumping through terrain, shooting their bows. Really like this kind of unit. Uh, the next one we've got is the Sylvankin. Another a big change here. So that's the tree herder can now go up to the Wiltfather like it could previously. However, mm. now it's just got the you cannot take magical artifacts. So that's a slight, ever so slight nerf that should have been in the book. But the big one here is that the boss grades and the arch wraiths, they are now Pathfinder like they probably should have been. So that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And the Avatar survey of the Green Lady, they also get that neg 35 point option. Why I think this is, I've got this done down as a, a plus one, but that boss wraith, that's their berserker type unit. So lots and lots of attacks. Yeah, that should have, that's a that's a good bump. And it makes sense. Yeah. Are you thinking of playing Sylvan Kin instead of elves? I, I've honestly thought about it. Um, the only reason that I've talked myself out of it is because I know that there's a lot of people in Australia at the moment that are switching over to Sylvan Kin. It's almost like Wilt Father. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, it's almost like Wilt Father. Maybe it's a 1.5 or maybe even a 2. No. Just throwing it out there. I mean, why else are they switching over? What's the reason? I think people are just waiting for an opportunity to take their wood elves. Um, mm. And I don't, I, like the elves, I just don't think they're being that good. And yeah. I think now that you've got a little bit of shenanigans with the Wilt Father and uh, the Shamblers, and now Boss Grace are mm. actually have impact. And I think that now makes mm. it a little bit more viable actually for the competitive the gamer. I think as a community, an Australian community, we are more focused on like the aesthetics and being able to create an army that sort of makes sense and running sylvankin before it just wasn't effective but now they can take some things that should have been there mm. it says all right great now i can bust out all my, all my old stuff that i was working towards before yeah this, i think it's a plus one plus one i don't know the only thing i'm annoyed about the elf changes on all elf spectrums whether they be you know uh sylvankin or regular elves or twilight kin is that I want the elves to get a buff. The actual elf infantry. With the, with the exception of the, um, don't get me wrong, the little sniper guys, what are they called? The little scouty sniper characters, rangers or whatever? Glade stalkers, yeah. Glade stalkers, yeah. Love that change. I'm all over that change. That's, that change is fantastic for exactly this reason. But I want to see the elves get a buff. I don't want to see all the treemen and the bloody flying dragon people and all that kind of stuff that was already good get a buff. I want to, I want to see the basic old pelican elves that have spears and bows and stuff get a bow. perhaps those infantry need just a minor points reduction yeah anyway but that's a different topic go on we've got exactly what you need right here in the twilight yep. kin so they have five changes i do believe or four changes um so first one here is the impalers so they are reduce in cost um so they okay. go from where well, the twilight kin so they go from the troops are negative five points and the regiments are negative 10 points and we'll just keep going with the blade dancers. So they mm-hmm. are also reduced in points, but a little bit more. So the troops are negative 10 points and the regiments mm-hmm. are negative 15 points. So that's quite big. They're the ones that I saw on the f- table all the time. So that's going to be good for the Twilight players. They were overcocked though. That, that's, they were. Yeah. That makes sense to me. So yeah. this is a good change for them. Uh, the Cronebound Butchers, so they had exactly the same as night stalkers butchers so they've gone from dash 15 dash 18 to 13 15 16 18 but get fury so we've already spoken about that so we don't need to do that anymore 
uh, and the Summoner Crone. So yeah, they've had a slight change in the option of the Scepter of Shadows. That's now pretty much scrapped the old version of it. And now the Wicked Miasma, which is a special rule, can also affect elf units for an additional 10 points. I think as a whole, this group of buffs 1 to 1.5. Mm, I I'm, I'm think of 1.5. Play dancer reductions huge. I think impaler reductions huge. Butchers meh. I love but, these um, changes. Scepter of butchers, Shadows is really good. Except the butchers, which is bloody pointless. You know what? I think the butchers change, where they get that reduced. Well, rather they get the not fearless but fury instead. Mm. I think it's a buff. Do you know why? Because I think that some certain pelicans that you play against are going to be like, oh. I can waver them more easily. So they're going to attempt to try. So they're going to shoot them instead <laughs> of everything else in sure. your like weak ass, low defense, like Twilight King army. They're going to shoot the butchers. Like that's lay it on specific. me. I'd be like, as a yeah. as a Twilight King player, I'd be like, shoot the butchers, baby, bring it all. They're, they're <laughs> defense five and they're stealthy. I reckon um, 1.5. 1.5. 1.5 for me as yep. well. Great change. Yep. yep, some pretty solid This actually changes. increases their, their tier rating as well. If you listen back to our tiers, I reckon bump them up. And then they go step. from B to, what were they, C? C to B. C to B. C to B for me. Uh, yep, we've still got a little that. bit of playtesting to go before we get into that. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to jump to conclusions <laughs> immediately. All right, it, All right Undead. Selic, what have we got Undead? All right, so we've got uh, five changes. Revenant Cavs, so they've cool. got exactly the same thing. Um, yep. So they go up in points quite significantly. Except uh, they have a horde option as opposed to the Emperor of Dust. That's right. So they go up uh, in the troops, 10 points, uh, regiments, 15 points, and the horde, 25 points. Mm. Uh, the Revenant King on Great Flying Worm goes up. So exactly the same as the previous ones. Nice. So yep. it goes down in nerve, but up in points. Uh, the wraiths are now irregular. Uh, so this mm -hmm. has ruffled a few feathers out in the community, um, mm -hmm. but not a massive change to most people. The Lich King loses a Drain Life, but also five points on that cost. Necromancer, exactly the same thing. So Drain Life, five down to four, but 25 points down to 20. So each point of Drain Life costs five? Okay. Correct. Write that down. That's good. All right. And that, that's the big change. I'd say this is a firm one. I don't think it's breaking anything. In terms of buffing? Uh, as a, a negative. I think this is... They're it's all nerfs. one. Right. Okay. Just, just wanted to confirm. I think Neg one. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last change, Trident Realm. They've got two changes. The Depth Horrors. Uh, so they go once again from a dash fifteen to yep. a thirteen fifteen, but they get Fury. Um, they've like also the Butchers. Yep. Okay. Just like the Butchers, exactly the same as the Butchers, and their obviously dash eighteen goes to sixteen eighteen with Fury, and also their character or their hero, the Depth Horror Eternal. So they go from a dash sixteen to a fourteen sixteen. Um, with Fury as well. Um, okay. Depth Horrors were sort of played pretty heavily, uh, and I don't think this change will stop that from happening. I mean, they're an, they're an okay unit. I mean, hitting on threes, but defense three within Snare, crushing yeah. one and Fury. They're a solid unit. I think that's fine. Yeah. Now that they can be wavered, yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's more so than the Butchers because they don't have um, Stealthy and they've only got defense three. Mm -hmm. So shooting is going to affect them a lot more. So would you say this is even a negative? Yeah, it's probably nice a negative. Uh, 0.5? 0.5, yeah. All right. So what we might do is we'll have a very quick break and then we'll come back and we will talk about some of the characters that are coming up. Mm -hmm. 
All right, we're back. We've hopefully you've got a new drink just exactly like we have because we are going to go mm. through the new heroes. Now mm. the the first thing that tasty, we have to talk about yeah, the first thing we have to talk about these new tasty tasty heroes is that not all armies got one. Um, mm. and because they didn't get one, that's going to be an automatic neg 0.5. So that's yep. Kingdoms of Men Dwarf, Varangard, uh, all of the Brotherhood, so both of the Brotherhood classes. Um, I think Salamanders didn't get one. The Herd didn't get one, despite their D tier. League of Rordia, uh, the Ratkin Slaves, and the Twilightkin. Um, so they get a, a negative 0.5, and the first one... And Do you think if, if the uh, Kingdoms of Men did get a character, they'd just call him Unique Hero? Unique Hero 1. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's probably what they would. Um, yeah. I'm, we're going to have to have a chat to Ronnie about the naming of Kingdoms of Men, but Poor that's for, All right. it's for another one. Now, for everyone that is listening, I mm-hmm. forgive the way that I'm going to pronounce these. Uh, I've enlisted Benson to correct every single one uh, to make <laughs> sure that I pronounce them correctly. Uh, so the first one is the Basilean's new character. This is Tolivar the Seer. Good job. Yep. There we go. So speed five, melee five, range dash, uh, defense four. Uh, it's only got one attack. Its nerve is eleven thirteen for one hundred and fifty points at height two. Uh, it's got a ton of special characters. So individual, inspiring, special, special rules. Uh, <laughs> individual, inspiring, iron resolve. Uh, it's got celestial vision. Uh, so that adds d six. Uh, sorry, six inches to the range of its bane chance and bastion. Spells when targeting a an angelic uh, keyword. Um, it's also got a special rule called Celestial Providence. Uh, after successfully casting Bastion, uh, Tolivar may immediately cast another spell or a different spell against exactly the same target or a different target. Um, the spells that it's got that it can cast is Bane Chant 3, Bastion with 2, so that's a, you can only take the Bastion once, uh, so it's got 2 dice for that, and Fireball 10. I think it's great. I think he's, he's top-notch. Um, he inspires. He's got Iron Resolve, like standard things. Having his Bane Chant 18 inches, I mean, only targeting um, Angel Boys, but he can still target other things for 12 inches. But then being able to cast mm. another spell, I mean, it's Bane Chant 3 he's got as well. Yeah. And then just burning something else with Fireball Turn. Yeah, it makes uh, the angels very, very nasty. Yeah, and inspiring with the good nerve. When you consider, when you compare him to other spellcasters that have Bane Chant um, and inspiring, they all cost around that like low 100s mark, 120, 130 mm. or whatever, if you've got inspiring as well as Bane Chant. But then they tend to have relatively poor uh, nerve or other stats or whatever. He's just very much worth his 150 points, I think, especially if you've got angelic units in your army and probably mainly because of it. But um, the thing that interests me about him more than anything else is that Bastion was one of those spells a bit like Hex, which no one ever cast (laughs) ever in the history of the game. And we need to reinforce that his Celestial Providence, so being able to cast a different spell, has to be done after casting Bastion. That's right. Yes, exactly. So the their solution for man, Bastion's really bad. What do we do about it? Okay, well, firstly, we're going to make it have a longer range, specifically if it casts against angels. So that feels like a angelic units, I should say. So that gives you a kind of you know fluff feel about it. And then we're also going to let you cast another spell because it would never be worth spending 150 points to just wander around, be inspiring and cast Bastion. That's just simply not worth 150 points. 
because you know you can take a 75 point mm. what it's often compared against with all spellcasters with inspiring you, you got your 75 point unit for virtually every army in the game that is inspiring banner bearer that also has the uh the, the loot of insatiable darkness yep. to give bane chan out right that that's that's sort of pretty much straight up better than 150 point for inspiring at bastion so what their solution here was let him cast another thing and i think that's a great solution it gives him bane chan as well which is really useful very reliable bane chan at potentially longer range as you said benson he's got fireball he's still garbage in combat but he's relatively difficult to kill compared with most other stuff but the thing that interests me about this guy more than anything which is a bit weird is that this is what they could have done with Hex. They could have said, if you cast Hex, yeah. you can also cast another spell. And then all of a sudden, Hex becomes a really interesting choice for everyone, mm. every single character that can have it. It's still going to be useless <laughs> a lot of the time. It's going to try. But every now and again, you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to be able to Hex. I'm going to Hex your dude, and we're going to have this kind of pseudo-wizarding duel. Like, imagine a situation where both players have a caster that has Hex available to them, and they've taken it for the 10 or 15 points or whatever. So they can try to kind of hex each other and also cast something else. Like it it gives you this more kind of wizarding duel feel. Instead, they made hex still useless. And they went, how do we make Bastion good? Let's make it not cost a spell slot. Yeah. Which is what I think they... in this case, it's Bastion isn't too bad because your angel boys also inspire. So I'm guessing they're going to be around your other units. He's not going to be out by themselves. Hmm. So casting it and then giving rally around your army f- for those angel boys and then casting something else Chan on another unit yeah. i think it's it's a good uh solution yeah so for me i would put this in as a, a plus 0.5 uh, mm-hmm. until you add in the extra stuff so the angels becoming like the yellow high becoming regular now i mm-hmm. think the frequency of this happening more and more um i think this bumps it up into a, a one as soon as you're taking an angel focus list a flying uh, circus, yep. as I'd refer to this list as. Um, you wouldn't take him without angels, so totally agree. Yeah, it's kind of half uh, yeah. combination. You've got to take him. I think it'd be a genuinely. I think it'd be okay without angels, but definitely way better with angels. So you're right, Salik. I would have given this guy 0.5 if it wasn't for the fact that Elohi also became regular. The fact that that's the case means this guy's a plus one. He's great. Agreed. All right, so we've got for the next one is the elves and the Sylvankin, so they'd both mm-hmm. be able to get this one. And it's what did we decide? Nimaway, <laughs> way dancer, I think we'll call this one, or Nimu, as I call him. A Nimaway, a Nimaway, a Nimaway, a Nimaway in the jungle. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. That? that was my thing on the break. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> nice. Great minds thinking. There you like. go. Okay. Um, so this one here is going to be speed six, melee five, no range with defense four plus. Uh, it's got no unit strength. It's only got one attack. Uh, the nerve is twelve fourteen at one hundred and fifty points with height two. Um, they have special rules of cloak of death, individual inspiring, but only for the verdants. Uh, it's got stealthy and wanderer of the way which basically gives you speed 10 and fly for one turn and not only that it uh, you can go at the double as well at any point and still cast which is really really handy because it's got four spells it's got fireball 10 heal four surge four and wind blast five hey. i have played this character in a, in a couple of test games 
Uh, it's pretty handy, very versatile, very forgiving because of the fly, as long as you don't burn it really early. And once everything sort of gets tied up like it always does in turn three, four, uh, as long as you can keep it out of trouble, that cloak of death really oh, yeah. comes into oh, yeah. its own. Um, value changes dramatically. I see this as a, a 0 0.5 in the elf list, uh, but a one in the Sylvankin list. That's much as what, what I was going to say. Like if you've yeah. got a lot of verdant units, this is a fantastic unit. If you don't have a heap of verdant units, it's like like anything like anything with inspiring X. If you don't have the X, then you're kind of wasting points on that inspiring X mm. without being able to take advantage of it. So they definitely, mm -hmm. you know, like every other unit that has a similar thing, it suffers from that. But incredibly versatile unit and very sneaky, very elfy, flapping about, lots of different versatile. Mm. I think this this unit's excellent. Yeah, one thing that I'd love yeah, to call out is the nerve. 1214, really good nerve value for this sort of character at that very price true. range. It's, it's not easy to take off. Even without the fly, their movement six which is easy to forget as an elf player, that is a good thing. And as an individual when you're mm. speed six, but also like when you can fly with her, like hopefully you can put her in a position to not take much damage. So a little bit of spray fire, very hard to get rid of her. Yep. And so why I say that this is a 0.5 instead of just a dash for the elf, um, it's still that cloak of death, the individual as well as stealthy and move at the double and cast spells is really handy in an elf list as well. So um, point yep. 0.5 for the Elf and uh, a solid one for the Sylvankin for me. I agree there. Next one is the Dwarves. So the Free Dwarves, sorry. The Dwarves don't get one. So this is Benek Kolam. Uh, speed 5, melee 4, no range uh, like the others. Uh, defense 5+. plus. Uh, it's got no unit strength. It's got 6 attacks, 12, 14 nerve, 135 points with a height of 2. Special rules, Brutal, one, just the one there. Uh, crushing Strength, two, Headstrong. Just pause there. Yes. It's interesting that Brutal has a one after mm, it. Interesting. I wonder if things yeah. are going to have more than one Brutal oh, yeah. soon enough. Uh, headstrong, Individual, Inspiring, and Scout. It could uh, just be a typo. It could be. <laughs> uh, it's got a special rule called Forge Blessed. So this is when Bennett Colarm casts his Fireball and the attack gains that shattering special rule as well. So it's okay, got Fireball 10 as well as Bane Chant 2. Yeah. 135 points. Mm. Defense 5, 12-14. Uh, I think it's pretty handy. He's a solid, um, sort of like a spell sword because he's got six attacks hitting on fours with crushing two. Mm. He's a, uh, a wizard that yeah, likes to punch face. I don't know what to make of this character, but when you compare, it, compare him to Nimue, or Nimue, Nimue. It's um, also similarly has like quite a high nerve for the point cost. In fact, he's 15 points less. And especially for a wizard, mm. you know, like quite a high nerve. Just just a spoiler, most of the wizards here are 12-14. Yeah, sure. But they're special characters and they cost a bit more, right? So like regular wizards at around the 100 mark yeah. have a lower nerve. 10, 12, 11, 13. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And this, this guy's also got defense five. So defense five is mm. obviously awesome. Doesn't have the maneuverability of some other units, but how versatile is that? You can bane chant, you can fireball, mm. and you can go into combat and beat face, and you've got scout, and you've got inspiring. There's a lot in this package. Definite com uh, combat support wizard, because he looks like he wants to cast bane chant when he needs to, otherwise he's punching face with crushing two and brutal. Or he, he can't quite get into range to punch face, so he just fireball tens instead. 
with shattering kind of kind of does everything in every situation in a way where i think this really comes into its own is in combining with the other freed war this changes with that shattering the war smith and iron watch yep. exactly true unlike every every other freed dwarf character right like if you're playing a gun line free dwarf kind of list he can contribute to that by chucking out his fireball with shattering and then when they're getting close he's still inspiring he can charge in he can either bane chant your big unit of shield breakers or he can charge in lay the smack down with his crushing strength too and then be brutal for an extra free point so even with four up to hit he's doing an average of like four contribution to that combat yep. he hits like three times and then wounds two or three times and then has brutal so he's, he's contributing three or four combat resolution or whatever you want to call it to yeah. that combat even without his fireball like he's 135 points it's great and also factor in that the free dwarfs the only other cast that they've got is the stone priest which is only inspiring earthbound so just your rock dudes and mm. they've got surge eight just built in so then they have to pay extra for the bane chant and that's all the the other spells that they can get yeah but yeah. free dwarfs they're all about their rangers and their shield breakers and this guy supports both of those units really well he supports them at mm. range he supports them close and he supports them by just being inspiring he doesn't he doesn't have any uh negatives on his inspiration it's just inspiring everyone like and mm. scout like this guy's amazing he's solid so do we say this as a, a- positive one definite i think he's going to be in every free dwarf list so you're saying 1.5 then i'm saying 1.5 i think i could be wrong like this is just initial read i've never seen him on the table so listeners like be cool for a second like, i could be wrong <laughs> but um i would take this guy in every Don't free dwarf me. list that i played he's just so versatile and amazing do you think you'll ever play free dwarves would i ever play them again absolutely i really like free dwarves they're actually <laughs> I don't know why, because there's something about them that just, there's that rustic feel, you know? I like a man who, who likes a bit of camping and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the next one we've got is the Northern Alliance. Uh, so we're going to go with Serakina the Ice Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, speed 6, melee 5, no range, defense 4. Uh, no unit strength on this one. One attack with 11-13 as the nerve. 130 points and with its height of 2. Special rules, it's got ensnare, it's got individual, very inspiring, but only to frostbound units. Mm -hmm. It's got the radiance of life, but also only to frostbound units, Mm -hmm. and a special rule of frozen winds. Uh, So if one or more hits are scored from this wind blast spell, the target enemy unit is frozen, has the frozen special rule. It's got surge eight and wind blast six. So 130 points, what do you think, Invencer? 130 points for a speed six. Uh, only if you're taking a lot of the frostbound units. Otherwise, I'd probably leave her home just because all she does is surge or wind blast. That's it. Yeah, I think what's boring about her is that she is an ice queen with way less options, and she basically has wind blast instead of whatever else she'd have. She's she's otherwise very similar. Like I'd like her to offer a really different thing. Like the the free dwarfs guy, like free dwarfs don't have anything like that before. So it's just completely different guy. While as and even Nimue and um you know Tolivar so far have given some different options, this just feels like an Ice Queen with only a couple of the spell options and this weird frozen wind rules. Yeah, standard Ice Queen is eighty points. Comes with icy breath ten. She also has ensnare individual master of ice and also very inspiring to frostbound. But then has the option to take bane chant heal surge can replace with surge has wind blast or blizzard 
too. So <laughs> basically all the stuff, except this chick has yeah. radiance of life and frozen winds for quite a lot of additional points. Yeah. And so frozen winds is just specifically for wind blast. So she's like a less versatile ice queen for more points, which like yeah, she she's okay. Like she's fine. If you wanted an ice queen that did specifically what she did, she'd do it slightly better. But if you wanted an ice queen that did anything else and ice queens have like a huge amount of, you know, versatility, then just take the ice queen. I think yep. a point five for this one. It it gives you an option and particularly around your frostbound lists, but um I don't a think point it's five more than a if point you're five. taking lots of ice elementals. Alright, so the next one we've got is in the forces of nature. Uh, so this is Kapoka, the hidden savior. So this one here is speed five, no melee, no range, it doesn't do anything apart from be defense four. It's got no unit strength, no attacks. Nerve is 1214 for 145 points at height 2, but what it gives is phalanx in an aura to all of your trees or your verdant keywords, mm -hmm. and it also has individual, inspiring, pathfinder, scout, and stealthy with two spells the heal four and weakness three. What are you guys thinking? Not as many verdant units within a nature list. Uh, just going through it, we've got the shamblers, we've got the beast of nature. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, the Glade Walker Druid. So I think we can kind of discount all the heroes because who mm -hmm. cares? <laughs> They're heroes. Yes. And heal four for 145 points when you can get a unicorn for 120, which has heal five. Your beasts of nature, if it's getting charged, you're probably doing it wrong, right? But the Wiltfather, on the other hand, yeah. this is a this is the Wiltfather's friend, isn't it? That's when yeah. you're taking it. For 145 points, though. Yeah, but the Wiltfather's already a bit bent because it's 1.5 and not 1. And then once you add one of these guys and they heal it up and give it Phalanx, then forget about it. Yeah, so you pretty much got like your, your Hunters of your Wild, your Shamblers, your Beasts of Nature, your Tree Herders in various forms, and I think the Druids, I think, but whatever. For those guys, I don't think that's where it's at. I think it's all about giving this little bubble of Defense 5, Defense 6, that the only things that most armies can attack you with is with Cav. And as soon as you put Phalanx on all of these units, you're taking out a massive tool out of most armies. I'd like to disagree there, just mm -hmm. because I'm thinking of lots of units that have a decent amount of attacks with crushing one built in and then added Bade Chant. Mm -hmm. So you're wounding them, damaging them on threes. I think it's a, I think personally think it's more specific than what you're making out that you're only going to be out of hitting the verdant stuff with the, the fast punchy things. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that. But like, this is the kind of unit that you add to a really, really anvil army. Like there's two types of armies to play. Listen, listen, listen up to old Hoosie right now, old veteran <laughs> Hoosie, and let him tell you that there's two kinds of armies in army games that are really boring to play against. One is a gun line. All they do is shoot. They stand there, they shoot, that's it. Boring. The other kind of army that's really boring is just the unkillable block of unkillable unkillableness. Very, very boring. Anvil of move up. It's the, it's your it's your Nurgle plague marine bomb or whatever it is. You know, it's your, it's your move up there and just never die no matter what kind of army. And it's because it gives you it removes all the choices from your opponent. It's not a it's not a game of maneuver anymore. 
It's a game of dice rolls and hoping for the best. And that's very irritating. And this is the kind of unit that adds only to that kind of army. It does absolutely nothing for regular armies because it would be crap in regular armies. But in like super tough anvil armies, it's just going to make them even more super tough and super anvilier. I think my issue here is that Kaboka is in the forces of nature. So you've got Beasts of Nature, Forest Shamblers, and the tree herder really that's the only ones that's going to be infected i don't think it's going to be affecting i don't think it's going to be affecting the beast of nature because the beast of nature is doing its own thing exactly so it's basically a bunch of tough stuff that just vanguards up in your face and sits there and Mm -hmm. does a tough thing so that's the only thing that it affects that's not what you're going to be taking the forces of nature for they got so many other options forest shamblers are quite meh in that list because you can take earth elementals which have the defense six tree herders aren't though tree herders are very good yeah but they're tree herders but that's, that's 145 points just to give it phalanx it's just i don't think it's as good as and to, and to heal it and to give other things weakness scouting scouting inspiring yeah. giving phalanx as well as weakness three so it's super reliable the scout's only there so it can move up with those shamblers which you're only taking yeah. one but of it, does, suppose you it have doesn't to... inspire phalanx only it doesn't inspire uh sorry verdant only yeah so it, it gives phalanx to yeah. verdant only so it gives phalanx to all your tree herders that are goddamn unkillable to begin with it makes them even more unkillable just to irritate your opponent yeah while it sits back and bees a like scouting weakness causing you know like damage reducing and also healing pest and and continues to inspire at the same time in a unit i think you're putting too much uh emphasis on the phalanx because i would rather take a unicorn with heal five which is cheaper i think this one here is a a one for me i think it's actually going to create a really core block and i think it will shape armies i'm gonna vote 0.5 it's not because it's an overpowered thing it totally isn't it isn't at all it just makes an unfun army more unfun if you take that list yeah it's because that's all it does it's not useful in another list so are you going 0.5 hugh or one Uh, i think it's a 0.5 change but I dislike the 0.5 change. Okay, so we'll jump on to the ogres. So I pronounce this this one terribly. Nomagorok? Okay. <laughs> it's close enough. Uh, so speed 6, melee 4 plus, no range, defense 5. It's got a 1 unit strength because it is a large infantry. It's got 5 attacks, 12, 14 nerve for 140 points. 5 attacks? Bloody hell. Height 3. It's got special rules, brutal, crushing strength 1, inspiring and nimble, Mm -hmm. and it is an ogre warlock. Mm -hmm. Which is standard as the other ogre warlocks. It also has bloodlust. Uh, Any friendly core unit with that heal gets uh, vicious as well. So Mm -hmm. pretty much similar to second edition, I think it was. So it's got bane chance 3, heal 4, lightning bolt 4. We've seen this character before. Uh, it's normally a pretty good option. I would put it in as a 0.5 myself. My only question is, is this character 140 points because ogres aren't good enough or because a character as good as this actually is the value of 140 points? Because this is a significantly better unit. Nomag is quite good. Than these other models of around this points value. It has a better gamut of different um, spells, all of which get significant buffs for being near. So you're shooting out like Lightning Bolt 7, Heal 7, Bane Chant 6, Automatic Bane mm-hmm. Chant, basically. You're also a 12-14 unit with Defense 5. You're also Speed 6. You're also a Claiming unit. You're also Hit with Strength 1. It is better than every other unit that we've read so far on paper, without question. Nomag is a solid bump to the Ogre army uh, because Ogres don't have Banechant or Heal normally, and being able to bump the Heal up to a plus 3 is going to keep your um, Siege Breakers Mm. just super healthy. Definitely plus 1. So I'm just listening to what you guys are saying. 
I would even argue a 1.5. If mm. if anything in this entire book gets plus two, it's this character. Yeah, yeah. Bump my rating up because I don't think any ogre army is no ogre not army going to take this. Take You're always going to see no magnet in, in the list. And the reason for that is because it's a little bit undercosted for what it does. And I think deliberately so. I really do. I, th- I mean, even if you increased at 30 points, you're still going to be taking it. Heal 7 is just so good for the yogurts. Okay, so it's an auto-include, so that's that's what yeah. we would be referring to it's as a plus 2. Bolt 7 for 140 points with Inspiring, with Nimble, claiming things, hitting things with 5 attacks at Crushing 1. With Brutal, this guy does everything. The, the lightning bolt's not the big thing. I think it's the heal because your normal warlocks are going to be getting lightning bolt a bunch. I agree, anyway. but when you have nothing to heal, you can steal lightning bolt. He does everything. Sometimes you will heal a unit purely because you can give it vicious. And then you get the vicious, yeah. yeah. I remember doing that for my berserkers. Just um, <laughs> They've got one damage. I make sure that they've got the vicious on them. So, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you'll charge, stand behind any ogre unit in your army and inspire it. Sometimes you'll charge with an ogre army an ogre unit, sorry, and do three wounds and add brutal to the combat and win the combat. Like, in what circumstances is this guy bad? Excellent addition to the ogre army. So we'll put it in as a plus two, and we will jump onto the trident realm. So this next one's very easy to say. Uh, so this one here is the Kryoshk. You got it wrong. No, I didn't. It's Kai Rock. No, I nailed it. It's Sean Connery saying rocks. Kai Rock. Rock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Hunter of the Deep is what we will refer to him as. Uh, sp- speed seven. Uh, so he is a quick trident realm with melee three plus no range defense four no unit strength five attacks nerve is 12 14 like the others mm-hmm. points 140 with a height of two special rules crossing strength one ensnare individual and inspiring but only inspiring to cephalopods and mm-hmm. waterbound units also has scout and stealthy a lot of special rules there has another special rule called the hunter in the deep he gains vicious melee and double attacks versus large cav monsters and titans also has a spell lightning bolt three what do we think karak is in a in a weird position i don't know what to make of them i mean crush one five attacks hitting on threes is fine speed seven is fantastic inspiring cephalopod and waterbound yeah i mean you'll be having your water elementals and what else is cephalopod thule i suppose mm. thule's a okay um i guess they're a decent uh berserker unit and you've got the river again it's cool that he hunts stuff yeah but five attacks no but 10 attacks double attacks versus large cavalry yeah but but also thinking then they'll fight back and kill it yeah he's only 12 14 defense four and with crush one yeah, he's a very confusing guy. Like honestly, I, I I find Trident Realm confusing at the best of times since they're the only army in the game that I haven't played, as confessed in the previous episode. So even on paper, I can't really make a decision on him. I find him a very confusing human being. It's not a human being; it's a cephalopod. I think Kairosh <laughs> should have like an extra crushing or crushing three against the um, large cav monsters titans because it's a hunter. Just getting the vicious and double attacks. Against things that are usually defense five or six, mm-hmm. no defense five. Defense five, yeah. It's just it's not going to do a whole lot. I think he's cool though. He's stealthy and he scouts forward and he for some reason he shoots lightning bolts. Why does he have lightning bolt instead of something a bit more useful in this kind? Of I think it's uh, kind of an innate thing, or it could be for the weapon. I haven't gotten that far yet. Right, we'll get to actually that. reading uh, the gotcha. background. Yeah, I think it in our rating system it's going to provide an option, but it's not going to be something that's going to change change the army. Yeah, 0.5. All right, so the next one is the Forces of the Abyss. So Basusu's brother, 
most likely, uh, Zazusu, <laughs> uh, the Betrayer. So this one here is a large infantry, speed 6, melee 4, range 4, defense 4. It's got 1 unit strength with 7 attacks. Uh, the nerve is 1214 at 110 points, nice and cheap, with a height of 3. Mm. Three special rules. It's got uh, Fury, Nimble, and Regeneration 5+, plus, and a special rule called Betrayal. So for each friendly unit within six inches, uh, he gains an additional plus one value to his lightning bolt, up to a maximum of three. And all friendly units within six inches of him then receive one point of damage. So he sort of uh, hurts all of his friends there. So it kind of takes the essence and boosts the uh, lightning bolt. And he bolt. starts off with lightning bolt five, so he can go up to lightning bolt eight which is pretty nasty. Um, 110 points, though, doesn't inspire. No. Mm, no, he's he's doesn't have the versatility of most of the units we've led to. More of a combat character. I think he's still excellent. He still claims objectives. He shoots a lot of lightning bolts. And the other thing is, you've got to really read that betrayal rule carefully, yeah. friends. Like it's, it's a challenging one, right? Because he gains plus one lightning bolt to a maximum of three, full stop. Mm. All friendly units within six inches then receive one point of Excluding damage. Excluding Zasusu. So for each friendly unit within six inch, he gets plus one. And then all friendly units within six receive a point of damage. So that means that if you say have five friendly units within six inches, he gets plus three. Yeah. But they all get I think that. it should have been for each unit that is damaged. Mm. It adds to your lightning bolt. No, I like this more. I, I think it means like I don't like that it hurts so much. The possibility to hurt so much. Well, only if you position him poorly, right? Like, like how hard can yeah. it be to not position him in like five or but six I feel units like, in the range? Like that's how what it's supposed to be doing. So he's kind of drawing the energy from all these other units around to empower the lightning bolt. But then it's kind of capped to how much. Yeah, you but can to shoot. an extent, because otherwise you otherwise you have this weird situation where. People put like a million troops next to him and he does like lightning bolt a million or yeah, something. Yeah, but you're like, also hurting a million gated troops. At plus, mm. Yeah, it's gated at plus three, which is what it should be. It's like, you know, there's only so much power this guy can like absorb within him. But yeah, so you've got to be careful about his positioning. There. But there is also inside the forces of the abyss a lot of regening units. Um, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. And, th and this guy regens himself. is extremely tough for 110 mm. points for a guy that regens and has 1214. And yeah, he's, pretty handy. he's not super tough. He's not individual. He's 12-14 with defense 4. So regen 5 is pretty bleh. Yep. You can yep. just kind of forget about that. But 7 attacks, he, if he hits something in the flank, that's 14 hitting on 4s. No extra additional uh, defense penetration there. Mm. But it's still a lot of dice you're throwing at the wall. He's a, I think he's okay. The other thing here is he's got a range value of a 4+, plus, but no ranged value i assume that's a little bit of a typo here but yeah. um yeah it could just be the version that we've got not the final version um i think this is a 0.5 it gives you an option it's not going to be changing too many lists but what do you guys think yeah 0.5 yeah it's okay yeah i think i'd still take him quite often in the context of an abyssal list because having that little bit of extra ranged firepower especially at relatively minimal cost sure you can zap some things sometimes whatever just position him better just be smart about it right like shoot lightning bolt six mm -hmm. seven eight at something at a relatively low cost each turn and then run in and punch something like later on in the game yeah you're going to pop a few wounds on your own dudes in the process who cares i would like him better if the rules were clarified, it's because a standard Abyssal Warlock has Firebolts, which is 18-inch piercing one using standard attacks, and this guy's a Warlock as well, so having seven instead of five mm. Firebolts would be pretty good. 
Yeah, honestly, that's the biggest weakness of him is that the standard warlock is so but good. But that needs to be clarified because they both got range four, except uh, Zazusu doesn't have the firebolts in his rules. Hmm. That's all right. I'm sure it's just a typo in our version that we've yeah. got. Bensom, I will hand over for you for the Abyssal Dwarf mm-hmm. two characters because I know that you're actually quite fond oh, of Oh, I love these, these guys. Yep. Loved them in second edition. I thought they were fantastic little fluff characters yeah. and took them as often as I could. Abyssal Dwarf got two units. They weren't good enough. <laughs> they, really needed, they really needed two more unique units because uh, the unique units were so weak and, you know, Abyssal Dwarf, no one played them. <laughs> so thank you, Mantic, for this. I really yes, appreciate it. Yes, thanks, Mantic, for bringing back these two characters who I loved. So we have Dravak Dolkin. He is an Ironcaster, basically. So Spellcaster 2, Speed 4, because he's Dwarf. Uh, melee 4, no range with Defense 5. Two attacks, 12-14 nerf at 155 points. He's got Crushing 1 because of Dwarf. Individual inspiring, but he has possession. His old mate Infernoch, which is a um, big... Greater Golem, which we'll get to in a second. So unless Infernoch is engaged or disordered, Dravak can use Infernoch's line of sight to cast spells. So he can measure from Infernoch's leader point instead of Dravak's. He's got Fireball 12, Heal 3 to Hellforged only, and Surge 12, which is massive. It's quite a bit different from 2nd edition, where Dravak would Fireball things and then whatever damage he caused would heal Infernoch. So it's more uh, versatile with the targets that he can cast spells to because of Infernoch's range. And we'll just combine that with Infernoch. Big Boy Golem, speed 6, melee 4, no range with defense 6, 12 attacks, unit strength 1, fearless 19 at 255 points and height 6. So he's a big boy. Uh, he's brutal, crush, uh, brutal 1 again, crushing 4, shambling strider and vicious in melee. And he has bound soul. So as long as Dravak's alive, Infernoch can get inspiring. Or he inspires himself. That's his little bump there over the uh, standard golem. So you'd want to take both of these two together. Taking them separately, you're kind of losing out on a lot there. So Dravak casts his spells through the eyes of Infernoch. And Infernoch becomes inspiring. Yeah, 410 yeah. points. Like You're never going to take him in isolation. No. I might consider taking Infernoch in isolation. I think it's really cool that... They have two units that work together, not specifically Abyssal Dwarfs, just mm. any army. Having these kind of like the homey unit that, that, that benefit one another that you can take individually if you want, but probably it's not great if you do. And in fact, you if most of the time people will take them in the pair, but then you need two unlocks to do it. I love that. Mm. I think that's really cool. The difference between Infernoch and a standard Obsidian Golem is basically Infernoch gets Brutal and one extra crushing. So that's... 20 points more. Yeah, which is, I think, well-priced. Just a 0.5 upgrade. I think that, as we've sort of mentioned, you're going to take both of these, which is a pretty big dedication of points. So I don't think it's a a plus one. It's not going to be something that everyone's going to take. I think Dravak, you could take by himself over a standard Ironcaster. He gets a slightly better fireball, but he's also got Surge 12 built in uh, with a better nerve and an extra attack just in case you need to ground something. Mm. I suppose a crushing one, so it helps that. Um, push that roll a bit further but it is 45 Mm. points more so I still think you'd you'd want to take both or nothing yeah yeah I think both together sounds awesome you're absolutely right but 410 points in an abyssal dwarf list like that's that's an awesome 410 points but is it as good as what else you can do I'm honestly not sure and comparing a standard iron caster and a greater golem together that would be 345 I I like it. I think it's an extra choice. I don't think it's overpowered. I think they're both good. And I like the idea of being able to cast Fireball from across the other side of the board through the eyes of Infernoch and not having to worry about him because he inspires himself since Dravok's going to be alive. Yeah. 
I think yeah, point five. probably a 0.5 buff. Yeah. All right, so we'll jump on to Night Stalkers then. Uh, so this one mm-hmm. here is another easy to say one. So this is Enisra. <laughs> sorry, what was that, Sally? That was Enisira. Ah, sorry, I thought you sneezed. Okay. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, the Wailing Sneeze Shadow. Uh, so this one here. Enisra? Is it Enisra? Yeah, you should have done this one. That was just my brain yeah. processing the rest of the letters there. Either way, this person, the Wailing Shadow, uh, is... Speed 10, melee 3+, plus, no range with defense 5. Uh, it's got no unit strength with 5 attacks. Uh, it is fearless 13 with 160 points at height 2. It has crushing strength 3, so quite quite tough. Uh, with dread, as well as fly, individual, mighty, mind thirst, stealthy, and strider. And it has the spell Enthrall 7, so pretty handy. We did mention that there was a special Mm. character with an additional Enthrall. Now, the only difference with the Wailing Shadow's Enthrall is the special rule Beguilement. So where normally you would Enthrall something towards you and it would stop one inch away, with uh, the Wailing Shadow here, it will go into combat with you and it will count as if you charged it. So that's pretty handy with your five attacks at Crushing Strength 3. Mm. So yeah, what do we think about this? 160 points, it is a lot of points, but at the same time, you're flying around, doing whatever you want to do. I think she's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really understand this unit very well, to be honest. Like, it, it does a lot of different things. 160 points for Crush 3, That's and Dread, yeah. and it flies. Yeah, but 25 attacks. Crush 3, crush 3 is only as good as the number of attacks you've got, right? Yeah, but hitting on 3 is Crush 3. You're adding... Crush 3, so you, you, you're very likely to get 2 or 3 wins. Plus Dread. Plus Dread. Uh, don't get me wrong, that's great. Like, that's good. But all I'm saying is Crush 3 is not the same on something with 8 attacks as it is with something with 5. Like, no. It does make But we are talking about 160 like, um, points. Dread fly. Yeah, but 160 points, yeah, it is quite a bit. Which is pretty cheap for a, for a flying thing that does that. Is it though? Yeah, because like a Beast of Nature is once... 70 or whatever it is and then you add the wings and adds it into the 200s for seven attacks they crush two mm-hmm. yeah i hate to be so indecisive but especially with enthrall which i've never even seen on the table uh, enthrall's great and everything yeah. it's like I, I'm, I'm back in the i'm back in the i don't know what to make of this unit territory okay. like this guy it's just yeah i don't know. i think she's pretty good yeah it's a pretty cool option i think and i think it complements the night stalker mm. list quite well i don't think beguilement is going to t- see much actual use because you have to be close to it and then enthrall it mm, at seven then charge it's it's a bit but there is other enthrall so what how i sort of see that element working is you will enthrall from another unit and then use this one here to finish it off to get it into combat with you even then like do you want a dash 13 unit in combat I'm not sure. Like you, you'd have to be very selective with who you're getting in combat with. In typical Night Stalker style, she's very expensive and not that tough. Yeah. I suppose as Night Stalkers go, she's pretty tough because she's defense five. Most other Night Stalker stuff is defense four to kind of account for that stealthy. Yeah, that's true. And Strider, yeah, it's, this is a point five. Yep, a point five for me as well. So we're going to jump over to Goblins and Benson. I know that you've used this character before and you've got some. Mm-hmm. Group thoughts, so I'll let you have a chat about Grup. Sure. So Grup, Longnail, I think she's pretty cool. So speed 6, which is slightly faster than your standard goblin. Melee 3, which is also slightly better than the standard goblin. Defense 4, which is average for a goblin. Her attacks at Fearless 12 for 90 points. Blast D3 on her attacks. Crushing Strength 1, Duelist. And Snare, and Individual. So she's got this special, which is part of her Infinity Gauntlet-type gloves that she's got. Uh, full Gore. So basically, when you're attacking melee, whenever you hit, 
that unit then suffers weakness. So it's a neg one modifier when they try to, try to damage, and it doesn't combine with the weakness spell, so you've just got to keep that in consideration. So Ensnare, as well as this faux weakness thing that she does in combat, makes her pretty survivable in combat, even though she's defense four, mm-hmm. and the ability is to spike the damage if she's hitting something with individual, because then it's eight attacks with blast D3, sort of like Grokagamok from the Ogres, just not as crushing. I found her to be pretty good for 90 points. She um, She's like a ratkin assassin. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> but better. <laughs> Except she has ensnare and blast D3 and uh, it's just better. Yeah. So yeah, she's like a ratkin assassin, but better. So I'm all over it. She sounds awesome to me. Can, can anyone explain the Fulgur reference to me? Like, What does that mean? It's part of the story. I think it's kind of like a warning. But what I don't understand is part of the, the background there is that it shoots lightning. So she found that she put these gloves on and then she started zapping lightning about the place in this dwarven hold and then she escaped by blasting lightning through the walls <laughs> to make a hole to get out but she doesn't have any spells but she's spellcaster one it feels as though it should give lightning bolt but instead it gives weakness yeah i feel like she should be able to cast lightning something even if it's lightning two or if it's lightning at range 12 or something mm, so i reckon just a point five just another option there I- yeah it's a point five i mean she's only speed six but um if she does get into an individual she she can put out some some hurts. So I think she's a really I good like assassin. She's this weird combination of quite random and yet quite reliable because she's in snare. She's threes threes to hit, you know that kind of stuff. Like she's this bizarre combination of like randomness with a blast D three, but then she's really reliable. Like if you charge into a forest or something, and then they try to get you, then you got in snare, and you got you know she's really cool little you know i like her a lot mm. like she actually makes me want to play goblin she's she's really cool so we've got uh four more to go uh so we'll lock that one down as a, a 0.5 but 1.5 in my heart <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yep all right so this one here sebek ray the accursed feed five ballet five no range with a defense of four plus no unit strength with one attack <laughs> it is fearless 13 at 155 points with a height of two. Uh, so it's got individual and very inspiring, and it has reanimator. So for every friendly skeleton within six inches, uh, you can roll one dice that you failed to hit with train life, fireball, hex, heal, surge, weakness, and wind blast to a maximum of two. And mm-hmm. it also has the glory of the mighty dead. So after casting heal on that friendly core unit, this unit may immediately cast the surge on the same target. So it has heal five as surge eight as well as the heal five. So pretty handy, I think, for 155 points. Very inspiring. It's also very handy. Very. I think this one here just a point five. I think it. I don't think they need this character, but it's no. it's a character that fits in quite well. It doesn't sort of stand out as a yeah. It's an extra. Right. It's it's another um it's another unique unit that's above the curve for um Empire of Dust, and in fact, it puts them in a spot to my opinion, because this replaces your average kind of lichy character, mm-hmm. which you might mm. take, because he's just better. He's just better. He heals as well as surging at the same time, and then he has these other reroll things going on and whatever mm-hmm. else, and he's very inspiring still for a lower cost than a lich with a bunch of spells. Mm-hmm. So he's in this spot where if you were going to take a non-unique character in Empire of Dust, you no longer will. You just take all the unique mm-hmm. ones because they're just clearly better than their equivalents, which is a shame. I think they're one of the. I think they might even be the only army, at least I can think of them off the top of my head, where like, competitively speaking, with this guy included, I would just not include a non-unique character in the army. Yeah. Why? And also consider that if you just hire a or 
put in your list a Cursed High Priest, which is essentially what this is, uh, with Heal 5 and Surge 8 as the additional options, they're sitting at 150 points. So you're paying yeah. five points for very inspiring and the glory of mighty dead. So, so it's another one of those units that just that just removes the reason to take the unique to the, the sorry the yeah. non-unique options in the uh, Empire Dust list. So you reckon this one goes in as a one then if it's doing that? Yeah, it's no, basically it's auto. If you're taking a high priest, you're taking this person instead. It's a weird thing about the Empire of Dust. The heroes are just so good. The regular heroes, they're still good. Mm. <laughs> they're still good it's the just that um, their unique ones are so good that they're uh, almost untakeable which is bizarre but yeah I think this is a one so Empire Dust armies are going to be taking five unique units so the Monolith the Snol- Soul Snare Apophis Idol of Shrebic and now Serbic yep. Ray <laughs> yep some combination of them they probably won't take five in the same army but they'll take <laughs> three to four of them in every army yeah. and you'll never see like a random Lich Priest hanging out ever. that's the plus one Done. We'll jump across to the maddest of all the orcs, Ulpgar the Mad. But uh, <laughs> speed 5, melee 4, no range with a defense of 4, uh, no unit strength naturally. Attacks 1, and it is Fearless 12 with 120 points at a height of 2. It is a spellcaster 3, not that that matters too much at the moment. Has some special rules of crushing strength 1, individual and inspiring, uh, as well as Ulpgar's Mad Magic. For each friendly core heavy infantry regiment or heavy infantry horde or legion within six inches, it increases that die roll once again for Bane Chant and Fireball by one up to a maximum bonus of not three, uh, but 11. That's an, that's an odd number. <laughs> it is an odd number. Why 11, I, anyway. I wonder how they come up with that. <laughs> uh, Magic of the Bloody Knife Tribe is another special rule that it has. Uh, so for each successful hit with Bane Chant, the target receives Leech Life plus one to a maximum. Life risk. Leech? It's life Leech? Right ah, I can't get it. Sorry, listeners. Um, up to a maximum of three plus until the start of the next turn. So it starts okay. off, however, with Bane Chant three and Fireball seven. 120 points. Up to a possible Bane Chant 11. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bane yeah. Chant 14, so sorry. He, I, he either nukes a unit for Fireball... 18? It's easy to think of him like, oh, Fireball 18, but no. It's you're never, never no, going to have, very rare. So many have units. 11 heavenry, heavy infantry units. So we'll infantry. say conservatively that's four, maybe. Four. Five. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's physically impossible to have 11 within I bet six you they've worked inches. it out that it can be 11. You yeah, ready? because a troop isn't six inches. I think a troop is five, so you can fit two troops side by side and get within range wow maybe it is possible but even so regardless <laughs> so you've got bane chant automatic yep <laughs> with plus three life leech which is awesome mm. or you've got fireball 10 ish yep. or more likely eight nine not whatever 18, it might yep. be at any given time certainly not 18 but fireball like uh, lots of characters that have fireball have fireball 10 so this is sort of like you know just a normal dragon with a mm. fireball which is fine so you either fire something a normal amount or you just automatically bane chant something and give something life leech yep. plus something. That's where it's at, I reckon. Give you give your orc unit auto life auto bane chant and life leech plus three if you can do yep. that. That's pretty good. Considering a standard god speaker is seventy points plus twenty points for bane chant two, uh, for fireball seven and then bane chant two. That doesn't inspire. Exactly. He's inexpensive yeah. for that. Yeah. I think that's exactly how you're going to use it. It is just there to Bane Chant and Life Leech and provide inspiring, and that's it. And fireball a million on the rare occasion. <laughs> oh, the fact that it's inspiring as well on top of that, that is very yeah, good. For I think it's a plus one. Yeah. yeah, plus one for the Orcs, I do believe. And we will jump into the Ratkin. Now, 
Um, I'll probably go for Benson. You're probably the best suited for the Ratkin. Yep. Let's go, go here. Wide, slander, move aside. Uh, this is Twitch Kinnear. 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 Oh, I can't even say the name properly. Oh, <laughs> Kinnear. <laughs> he love, he's, a, he's a big into canoes. He's like, he's a Kinnear. He's a canoeist. Uh, so he's keen of the ear. Speed six, melee five plus, defense four plus. I'm excited, right? I'm excited about Twitch. He also has unit strength diddly do, attack one, nerve dash 12, dash 12, fearless, and 120 mm. points. So individual inspiring guy. He has Bane Chant three and Hex three. Uh, so then he's also got the, the thing that makes him distinctly different is if Twitch keen ear successfully cast Bane What's Chant. What's the name of this, of this the, ability? Uh, Eye of the Abyss. Eye of the Abyss, mm-hmm. maybe. The, the Abyss watching over us all. If Twitch Keen Ear successfully casts Bane Chant, the target unit may, after rolling to hit and to damage in the melee phase, discard all damage. So after hitting and damaging, you can discard the lot and start again. It even says the word start again, <laughs> uh, which is unnecessary but useful. Uh, roll to hit and to damage again. The second result stands. Rerolling in this way must take place before testing for nerve, which is critical, or rolling any other attacks from other units in the same melee. So it's a, it's a weird one. So so if you rolled crap, you'd try it again. Right. If you roll crap, you try again. It's exactly in between like that kind of 140 mark where you've got a warlock with inspiring talisman and bane chant mm-hmm. three. Now, the difference is that Twitch is 20 points mm-hmm. cheaper, which is quite critical, uh, and has a slightly better nerve, but then also has Hex 3. Then the Warlock has Lightning Bolt 3. Mm. Light, Lightning Bolt 5, mm. sorry. So so like, like the, I'd say on balance, without taking into the Eye of the Abyss rule, um, the Warlock is better. Even for 20 points, exchanging Hex 3 for Lightning Bolt 5, I think most people would agree that that is generally better because Hex is useful as a bloody sourdough loaf in a bloody flood. Bane Chant, though. But Bane Chant is... Yeah, but they've already got Bane Chant. They've both got Bane Chant. But that's what you're aiming for. Bane Chant 3 to do the Eye of the Abyss. Yeah. That's the only thing. True, true. You're right. But the point is, when you're comparing it to a Warlock, they've both got the Bane Chant and... You can only bane chant when you're in bout in combat, right? Like when you're in a combat situation. Mm. The rest of the time, what are you doing? What Twitch is doing is casting hex. What a, what a warlock is doing is casting lightning bolt mm-hmm. five. Lightning bolt five better, therefore twenty extra points, notwithstanding a tiny bit of nerve. So really, what you're looking at here is the eye of the abyss. Now, also worth considering is for seventy five points, you can almost tell that I like rap. <laughs> for seventy five points, you can take your good old fashioned rat flag waver friend who has your looted insatiable darkness so he's only got bane chant two but he's significantly cheaper 45 points less so if you just want to do to hang out inspire and cast bane chant he's your man if you want someone to have a bit more versatility in lightning bolt the warlock's your man so really you're paying significant points here for this eye of the abyss so how do you make this eye of the abyss work for you if twitch keen ear so if he if he makes it so first he has to cast bane chant on the unit very likely Bane Chant 3, it only fails about, what is it, 1 in 8 times? So 7 out of 8 times, statistically speaking, you're going to get your Bane Chant 3 off on this unit. Happy days. However, 1 in 8 times, which isn't that few, you just won't get to choose anyway, (laughs) then you've got to fluff your hit and wound rolls to the point where you look at their nerve. I don't know, maybe I need a 7 to break them. In that circumstance, do you re-roll? Not sure. It's a bit difficult, right? Depends how many attacks and stuff you got. But I think the the key target for this kind of thing is like a shock troop unit. Yeah. 
So you're hitting a shock troop unit, you you know, you're bane charming them, making them hit a lot of goals or whatever. But what I what I want listeners to understand is that this reads as really good. It reads as really good being able to re-roll your entire attack. It's insurance. Mm. It's insurance. You're absolutely right. It is insurance. But you need to be in a spot where A, your unit's in combat, B, you've cast Bane Charm on them, C, you've hit and wounded poorly enough that you think you're going to fluff the nerve roll but you haven't rolled the nerve roll yet you don't actually know that see you think that the re-roll is actually going to improve your result every now and again you will fluff with your shock troops but they do also have 30 attacks even a standard dude like you're not expecting them to do much and you do okay so i do two damage bugger it let's do it again and this time i might get six or seven yeah yeah you might get worse you might get less but you're only re-rolling if it's a poor roll it's not like hey i have the abyss increase your wounds by two or like, you know, give yourself double brutal for one turn. If it was brutal two for one turn, it would be better. Mm, That's disagree. what I'm throwing out there. No, it, it would absolutely <laughs> nah, be better. Because in that circumstance where you need better. to roll a seven, <laughs> if you need to roll a seven, you now need to roll a five. Would you re-roll the dice or would you just take the plus two? I'd I think it's all about the time. stinker. Like it, As Benson said, it's that insurance. And I think what you're saying, Hugh, is that you could still roll worse and it's you're going to get into some really tricky mental positions because you don't know what the nerve roll is you're not sure what Mm -hmm. other units are rolling for their damage Mm -hmm. so it's really Mm -hmm. going to be a gamble so that gamble is going to bite you quite often as well as it's going to help you it's it sounds like it's really going to be a gamble but i think in practice what you're going to find is that most of the time you just don't get a chance to use it because you don't you're not in a position where it is a gamble you're like oh well i need a four to roll them off I'm not going to re-roll. Or you're like, I'm going to need a 10 to roll them off. I might as well re-roll. Oh, look, I re-rolled and now I need a 9. I I find that a lot of the times when I have a unit that it's kind of sort of 50-50 to go in, I roll in and I do... It feels like it's underwhelming, so I do 6 damage when I was expecting, I don't know, 10. I'm going to re-roll that because... I feel like, all right, next time it's going to do a lot better than that. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what it's meant to make you think. But the, the, the statistical reality is that's only going to happen one in four games. The rest of the time, I think, is you're just going to either, you're going to get them anyway, or you're not going to get them, and then you reroll and don't get them still. And effectively, that rule has done nothing. Unless that rule turns a non-successful break, or what mm. would have been a non-successful break, into a successful break, it's done nothing. That's, that's something that you need to understand. Like, unless, it cha- unless it breaks a unit, it hasn't done anything except make you feel better about the role. Which is good. You know who this would be really good for? This would be good for Spoon. (laughs) This would be a good Spoon role for sure. Yeah. I think Twitch is going to be fantastic for games on UB. One in 10 games, he's going to be a rock star where he gets to re-roll some amazingly bad role and you're going to win anyway as, as a result of it. Most of the time, that, that rule won't even come up, in which case you're paying points for a rule you're not using and you should be taking a different unit. All right, so we're putting it in as a 0.5 then? 0.5. Ah, sweet. Yes, okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you humoring me for that massive. No, that's okay. We know that you're... We'll just cut uh, it all out in the edit. That's right. Quite, it's just like, <laughs> rat can it. We'll get Benson to re-record you it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, Benson, I'll get you to finish off with the undead, mate. So, we knock Ice Blood. So, Spellcaster 2, Height 2, Speed 5, Melee 4, No Range, Defense 5. One attack with a Fearless 13 at 120 points. So, Zwinok has Aura, Elite, Melee 4, Skeleton Infantry only. Individual and inspiring. So they also have a special rule, the Outsider. So when Zwinok is included in an undead army, you can't take any other unique heroes. Zwinok or nothing. Fireball 10, Surge 8 are the spells that they come with. Mm. 
120 points, five ball surge eight. Meh. I think this is almost the definition of a point five. So this is somebody that <laughs> yeah. comes in and it provides like a cool little option of a themed list with skeleton infantry. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Like that. Yep. That's all he does. He inspires them. He doesn't do anything too much. Like fireball ten and surge eight. It's sort of like it's it's required. He very slightly buffs a unit that a list that isn't good to begin with. So heaps of skeletons, spearmen and stuff, the kind of list that isn't very effective in today's mm. meta, it very slightly buffs that. And I love that. That's fantastic because, I mean, God, I'll probably take him because I've got heaps of skellies, which I like the yeah. models of and all that kind of stuff. But like, is he a game changer? No. No. Yeah, you're right. He's a point five. The outsider rule just means you can't take Lady alone, which I don't usually see yeah. on <laughs> the table. Or Morgoth. I mean... Meh, Meh, it's 125 point, uh, 120 points for a slightly better necromancer. Yeah, an inspiring surger. That's what it is. Yeah. That gives a, a passive he's, he's a bit boring is his only problem. He's no Twitch keen. He doesn't make you go on a rant. He abilities sure. that we can spend 15 minutes ranting about. No, definitely. We'll lock him in as a 0. 0.5, point five. Point five. Yeah. And that, there we have it. That's it. We're hey, done. we did it. Nice. Wait, so like you're sure you don't want to spend another 15 minutes talking about Twitch Kenya? <laughs> or or Kenya. Uh No, we no, don't. Kenya. Okay. <laughs> so we will wrap it up there, guys. Uh, the winners of Clash of Kings identified Free Dwarfs, Sylvankin, the big winners, the runners-up being Forces of Nature, Elves, Ogres. They benefit a fair bit from this Clash of Kings update. The losers naturally being Undead and Abyssal Dwarves, taking the probably the biggest hit. And there was a fair few Forgotten Armies as well. Thanks once again for listening in. We understand that this is a pretty long episode, so I appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed. More than a game. It's a lifestyle. Yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war gaming podcast. Direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned. That's for sure. Hey. 